This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. It's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Escape Hatch, your portal into cinematic pocket universes. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason. Talk your shit, Luke. Like, you are you are absolutely right. And we welcome supervising sound editor from Skywalker Sound, Max Smith. You have left, center, right. You have the left side, the right side, the left back, the right back, and then you have objects. We talk about a film that exemplifies incredible sound design, Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want, and a Patreon where you can support us and unlock exclusive perks. And now, without further ado, The Last Jedi. All right, so Mac, let's start with an easy question. How does sound work in movies? <laughs> How much time do you have? We're, we're, we're talkies a mistake. <laughs> uh, well, there are a lot of people that probably assume uh, in live action films that when the uh, what you're hearing is what the camera picked up when mm-hmm. they're shooting a live action film, and that's rarely the case because on set the um production sound mixer and the boom operators are trying to get just the cleanest dialogue possible and oftentimes like imagine a restaurant scene with tables in the background you see lots of activity and people talking and eating while they're being told on set to not make any sound right but make it look like they're talking and the people the the couple who are the stars of the film having a romantic uh, conversation are the only ones that are being heard really on set. So amazing. I listened to Roger Deakins on the team Deakins podcast and he had Stuart Wilson on who among many other films did uh, rise of Skywalker, but he described it's a fascinating uh, episode. I recommend people listen to it, what it's like to capture. And he's doing a live mix on set with like, they have like hidden microphones in their costumes and then other microphones uh, around so it's like, it's crazy to me how much complexity uh, goes into trying to capture it there. And then it gets sent over to you. So how do you guys, how do you even get it? And when do you get it? Like, does it just get uploaded to a Google Drive? How do you guys, what do you do? Uh, well, we, you know, end up talking to the picture department and, you know, have some early meetings talking about workflow and creative process. And they're cutting sound in the Avid or Adobe Premiere or whatever they're working on. Um, Mm. so they have, they have production audio and then they have, you know, sometimes temp music and then temp sound effects. And so they're turning over, you know, sort of their, their version of the sound as well as all the original production sound recordings. So we get a huge, um, delivery (laughs) of like every take, every mic, um, that then somebody has to go through and, and use metadata and, and clever software to get it like, Oh, here are all the mics for this take. Here are all the mics for this take. And yes, we do get a mix from set. So the the production sound mixer is doing a mix of, say, lavalier mics and boom mics and plant mics to try to get sort of everything dialed in. But we oftentimes go back to the individual mics. 
So we have oh, wow. we have more okay. control. Mm. That's crazy. Very That's crazy. a lot. Seems like a lot. <laughs> it seems like beyond my garage band skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and we end up with, you know, hundreds of tracks in the, you know, that we end up delivering to the mix stage and and part of it is not just picking the right sounds that go with what you see, you know, whether it's a door close or a laser blast or, um, you know, some new piece of sound design of something that no one's ever heard before. Um, but then we have to organize it into food groups. So it makes sense for the mixer because you don't want to have, you know, a gunshot on track two and a track 88 and track 173, because when the director says, turn down the gunshots, you, you don't want the, you don't want the mixer just like, flopping around going, I don't know where those gunshots are located, you know? So we, we organize them in various, in very specific food groups. So it's easy for the mixer to, to find them quickly and make creative choices quickly. Mm. That's, that is wild. So then, so then thinking about, um, completely created sound effects that are, that are happening. So famously I had a uh, Ben Burt's daughter on my daughter's soccer team 15 years ago, 20 years famously. ago, something like so this famous, is a story, famous. Everyone knows this. <laughs> yeah, and so, so and he lived right around the corner. He's uh, from from where we live, and um, I was with my daughter at a friend's house, and we were playing in the backyard, and we were climbing trees. We were really into it. We had a great time for an hour, and I came home, and my ex is like, "Where the hell have you been? Ben Burt was here for thirty minutes." He like was trying to get footage for this documentary he was making about the flooding in San Anselmo. And then he heard the screen door and he ran home and got his microphone and came back mm. and then recorded the screen door like four times and was very thankful. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> so one example of capturing stuff. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, one thing as a, as a sound designer and sound effects person is you always have an ear in the real world trying to mm. listen for those unique sounds that, you know, may not be useful now, but, you know, 10 years from now, you're like, oh, that water, that water dripping in the alley on some thin piece of metal gave this weird, you know, metallic resonance thing. And that's going to be perfect for this thing. you know. <laughs> so not only is it like having a recorder with you and, you know, worst case scenario, you record with your iPhone, but then remembering to file it away in a, in an organized fashion. So you're, you're future proofing it for yourself. Mm. And then how do you do stuff like, um, like a lightsaber, right? So obviously lightsaber has been done, um, a bunch of times at this point, but also the sounds really evolved. Um, and it's changed. Like how much do you use a library versus create, when do you decide to create new things and, and how much are you just building using software, other pieces? Uh, a lot of it comes down to time, um, how much time we have. Of course, we love to go out and record new stuff, uh, but we also have a giant sound effects library um, that just keeps being built on all the time. So there are lots of great building blocks in there that we can twist and warp and layer in different combinations and still create new sounds out of, out of things we've had for for quite a while. Um, so it really depends on the case and also the the director – um, you know, may have something in their mind that they, you know, are trying to articulate that they want this to be something really unique and specific to a character. So of course we, we put a lot of time and effort into those moments. Hmm. We're obviously very focused on Denis, uh, and the stuff that he's done. Jason, I remember in episode four, 
Arrival, episode four of Dune Pod, um, you talked about how the the sound designers said they had to go out and get all new yeah. sounds, like out in the countryside. Yeah, they were they were really they had a really interesting featurette on the Arrival extra features about their like fully like the, they're going out and like capturing like real sounds and like what they use and like obviously sound design is a huge part of that movie um, with like what the heptapods are doing and everything like that and it's 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 interesting like the challenge I think in something like the the Last Jedi is that there's so many like sort of sounds that are just, you know, that are sort of like the sacred Jedi text in the tree. Like, you know, you just, you just can't really like the lightsaber has got to sound like a lightsaber and even the, the lasers have to sound like lasers. And like, there's just so many things that are, are just star Wars sounds at this point um, that I, I would just, I would think it was a real, um, a real difficult thing to kind of go in and try to even modify a little bit um, from kind of the canonical, um, the canonical reference. Can I, can I ask Mac has the Falcons um, blasters, have they changed? Like, I feel like from force awakens on, they sound, they sound different than they did in the original trilogy. Uh, they've probably evolved, you know, a lot. Of, um, and I should sort of give the, the, the snowber that I, you know, I've not worked on right. any of the star Wars feature films. Um, I've only worked on a couple of uh, smaller Star Wars things, but I've been a big fan forever. Um, hey, man, Star Wars Visions is awesome. Oh, thanks. Uh, so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't sell yourself. <laughs> that was amazing to work on. Um, but I've uh, definitely, you know, sort of kept up on things and paying attention to what the, the newer sound designers who've taken Ben Burt's legacy sounds and they're always building on them, whether it's creating, you know, new lightsabers for Kylo Ren. Where is it? But they're also they are trying to punch up some of the old sounds to make them uh-huh. feel, you know, more high fidelity and and more, you know, uh, full frequency. So, it, yeah, it could be that the Millennium Falcon cannons are evolving a bit over time. But, you know, it's it's a big hunk of junk. It's a hot rod that they're constantly <laughs> tweaking and modifying. So, you know, I think there's some justification for that. Losing dishes. <laughs> is there is there like for the originals for like the originals? like trilogy like i assume like those sounds do those like exist in archive like in some form did someone say like, yeah we're gonna here's like what we use to like do like you know the the blasters or whatever and we're just gonna like keep that in some format that got archived in a durable digital fashion at some point or is that just like you know there was some stuff that got mixed in and now we have to extract it from the mix <laughs> um no uh ben is a very very organized sound designer um and all that stuff was analog for for years going from star Mm. wars to empire to jedi um but i at some point when uh the skywalker library was being you know sort of updated from analog to digital it it made sense for all that stuff to to come over um Mm. and i and i remember years ago uh working with some of the lucas arts guys this is probably 20 years ago that they they talked about how they got a lot of the Star Wars library and then they were doing additional cleanup and noise reduction and, and trying to sort of do their own version of preserving it. So there have been a lot of hands over the years trying to uh, be caretakers of the, the Star Wars sound effects library. 
I, I went recently to go see Stop Making Sense in IMAX uh, in the theater a couple of weeks ago, and it was incredible, as I expected it would be. I'd never seen it. But Jerry Harrison was able to go back, and they were looking for the original sound recordings uh, and original negatives and all this stuff. And in the end, they did find uh, DATs. They were, it was like the first concert film to use DAT recordings, so they were able to go back to the original source material and then completely redo it, um, which, is, which is pretty fascinating. That's great. Uh, what about – so how, how do you look at creating your Atmos mix, your 5.1 mix, your stereo mix? Like do you have in your head as you're building everything um, you know, how that is going to be translated? Uh, I mean you, you have an idea – uh, to some degree, as far as uh, when you're cutting sound, when you're editing sound a picture of of where this might get placed in the room. Um, but ultimately, you know, that's the mixers, the re-recording mixers job. So we can mm. kind of uh, give suggestions or sort of point them to what we had in our head. But they may decide to change things around or say, oh, this thing that you had in the in the surrounds makes more sense in the left and right, or, Hey, why don't we try to steer this thing into the Atmos ceiling channels? Um, mm. so I, I feel like, you know, I, I love to use a food analogy when it comes to the difference between sound editing and, <laughs> and mixing, cause everybody understands uh-huh. food, but, you know, essentially as the sound editor or sound designer, um, dealing with sound effects specifically, I have access to the pantry with like, a million ingredients. I don't just have right. one kind of salt. I have, you know, yep. 35 different kinds of salt. Um, if I don't find, you know, the right Turkey, um, I can go out and farm it. You know, I can go rec- right. record something. Um, so I'm, I'm building the dishes in my home kitchen and that's, you know, I don't have the best appliances or the best, you know, cooktop or whatever, but I can, I can mock it up and then I organize it in a fashion but then when, mm. when it's time for the mix i take my dishes to the head chef in the fancy restaurant kitchen with the, right. with the fancy pots and pans and they're taking my recipe and they're building it and going okay yeah i see what you're doing here like why did you put cumin in this get rid of the cumin mm. i need to, i need turmeric instead so you know you're cutting mm. cutting a sound effects fix right there on the stage um and then the, if the director's sitting there, they're sometimes going, wait, I, you know, they're dipping their finger in the pot going, I don't, <laughs> I don't taste the salt yet. It's like, I haven't put the salt in. Just give me, give me a sec, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Golly. So the communication and management and all that stuff is, is super important beyond kind of the technical skills that you have being able to kind of cue it up and then hand it off. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and to go further on your, your initial question was, we, we usually do the biggest mix first. So if it's like Atmos and then um, from there, when it's all signed off, everybody's happy. The director is like, it sounds exactly what I want. Then we we sort of work our way down into the other formats, you know, five, 5.1, trying to keep the integrity of, of the mix. Yes, you're not going to have things on the ceiling, but you're going to have all the, the parts there and just make sure that nothing is, is crowding the dialogue as it gets sort of like, you know, down into into fewer channels and then the same with the stereo mix and then Mm. then there's usually a home theater mix done too to try to make uh things sound better at home but but it's always a challenge because the problem at home is there are more than a thousand different ways that people are going to be listening to it whether it's their crappy uh tv speakers that are on the back of their tv pointing the opposite way (laughs) way from them or they're listening on their iPhone speaker or some, some cheap, you know, $5 
earbuds or their iPad speaker. Or you never know. So we just do our best. And, and we oftentimes are trying to listen on smaller speakers to just go, okay, is this, is this seem like it's going to work? And, um, yeah. So it's, like I said, it's, it's a challenge, but, but we do work hard to, to try to make sure all those formats work. It's amazing. That's really amazing. And now Netflix is like dynamically altering dialogue and other stuff as a, as a feature uh, for people. I can imagine that that'll be challenging. Yeah. And I, I haven't played with those things very much, but I, I don't, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't have want a, them mucking I, around. I don't have a lot of hope. I mean, and someone had brought up, you know, video games often have, you know, different stems. You can turn the dialogue off or the right. music off or the, or do your own mix. But um, I think people would be horrified of what a, a dialogue stem by itself sounded like. Yeah. Because yeah. because there is a lot of muck and schmutz and air and stuff in there that, that we're putting in sound effects and music to help it seem, uh-huh. make seamless. And suddenly you take all those safety nets away and people would be like, ah, this sounds horrible. Right. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's sort of like the motion smoothing of like audio. Uh, just get so, out of it. Like, yeah, yeah come on, guys. <laughs> just, just vision. Trust the professionals, you know, and and the other problem, I mean, it's a multifaceted problem when people complain about the dialogue, uh, can't hearing it. But but one of them is is the style of acting has definitely changed in the last, you know, 20, right. 20 plus years. It used to be a lot of people who right. came from the stage who would project to the back row. And right. now there are mm-hmm. people who just can't help themselves but mumble and swallow right. swallow their words and not enunciate. And we can turn it up and turn it up and turn it up and turn it up. And pretty soon you're just breaking it because you're getting all this junk from the set. Yeah. Ah, that is, that's brutal. <laughs> well, that is an incredible overview. Uh, and Mac, we are so thrilled to have you here joining us from Skywalker Sound, supervising sound editor. Listen to this, Jason, just a couple of minutes. Oh, I looked it up. Credits. I looked it up. I was already impressed before I showed up. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm only just like a handful um, of mm-hmm. what, of what you've done. These are just ones that are some of my favorites. Ponyo, Up, Tron Legacy. Tron Legacy was the one I was going to call it. Cause that, that, that is a movie. That is a movie of phenomenal sound. Like that is really a, we, that's one of my favorite episodes of this podcast also. Um, yeah. Because we just had a lot Same. of fun talking about that movie, and the, the sound is incredible. And my kid loves the sound of that movie too. Uh, so it's a <laughs> it's a real standout for this household. Yeah, the original Tron, I was a big fan of when I was a kid. Oh, so yeah. so it was a dream come true to to be a small part of uh, Tron yeah. Legacy. Huge. Just like the the light cycle scene, right where you know the music kind of goes back when he jumps and grabs mm-hmm. the thing and takes off. It's just like un- unbelievable. Uh, John Carter uh, of Mars coming as soon as we hit 100 patrons. Avengers Endgame, heard of it. Uh, Aqua Teen Forever, Plantasm, haven't seen it but want to. Um, and Star Wars Visions, as we talked about. So, Mac, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Welcome. It's great to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. I had a couple of ideas, a couple suggestions. And uh, Mac, when we first talked, I just said, listen, what is a movie that has an exceptional use of sound where it is a an absolutely critical component of the film. And you said star Wars episode eight, the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. So we did rogue one um, on the pod, but we've not done any from the trilogies yet. So we're breaking new ground tonight on escape hatch. Yeah, we've done, this is, this is really a, this is really a big one for us. Like we've not done any from the trilogies. We've not done 
anything on the TV shows, like like dedicated. Uh, <laughs> we spend a lot of time talking about Andor just whenever we can, um, but we've never had <laughs> any focused episodes on it. Um, yeah, stay so. tuned. We're very excited uh, to be doing this. Awesome. Cannot wait. So we're going to get into that in just a minute. But before we do, Jason, next week on Escape Hatch. What's going to happen? It it is the triumphant return of the showrunner of Veep and the White House Plumbers co-host of the Stuff Dreams Are Made Of podcast, Dave Mandel. Dave Mandel. We're so excited to have him back. We had a real spiritual bond with him. What's he coming back to cover, Matt? Well, I just want to say it's going to be crazy because we're recording on Monday. And this weekend is the Greg Jean Heritage Auction, which is like essentially the largest auction of science fiction stuff that has ever happened. Yeah, I've got to get in there. What are we? This is going to be an expensive weekend. What's going on? I'll send you the PDF. Send me the PDF immediately. I need to start a budget exercise. (laughs) There's some, there's next gen stuff. There's, uh, he's not a big Star Wars collector, although there is like an incredible Stormtrooper um, outfit and some other and the x-wing fighter um i think it's red two um that folks have been uh, dreaming oh of so God. so that we'll hear all about that next week we are covering one of his all-time favorite films william freakins to live and die in la oh I'm, i've never seen it it's a new one for me too it's an amazing time it's like intense 80s like gritty post 70s uh you know like the extension of um French connection and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff that that Friedkin was doing so it's going to be wild. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> all right, quickly, hatch news. Would you like to know more? News from <laughs> beyond. Jason, it was rumored today that uh, Dune Part Two, there was the the runtime was listed on Rotten Tomatoes, two okay. hours and thirty minutes. Yeah, that sounds good. I think we're still speculating, right? We don't really know. This is all still like we're we're in the speculative phase. I feel of of what this is. I agree, but Mac, Mac, Dune Part One, too long, just right, could have been longer. <laughs> uh, I think it was slightly too long. I'm on the same boat, uh, but I like even the, the the stuff that's too long. I still like it, but I agree with you. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll 2.30 will be great. Everyone's going to appreciate a brisk 2.30. God, 2.30 would be incredible. So stay tuned for more details on that. Hat tip to Oppen Romer um, for bringing us that tip. That was amazing. Oppen Romer. Thank you. Oppen Romer. Um, I want to welcome Jason, a new Discord member, Emery. Emery. And... We just had a new patron, M. Ready, which I assume is Emery. That's great. Welcome to them. Welcome. Great to have them. Yeah. Yeah. And as a reminder, uh, if you join a benefit, you don't even have to pay for this. Uh, you get a lot of great things if you join our Patreon, including the unedited apps right away. Um, oh, yeah. To our, access to our secret engineer channel on the Discord. But mm. one of the advantages anyone gets just by joining the Discord is you get access to the ChatGPT powered Dune bot, um, which I was what? reminded about. Which I was reminded about today because someone used uh, the Dune, the Ask Dune bot. Um, it's engineer to, only. No, it's not engineer only. I'm saying anyone gets oh. access to it. <laughs> um, but like, there, someone asked the someone asked like to tell the story of the Spice Girls, 
um, in the style of Frank Herbert's Dune, and Dunebot just knocked it out of the park. And so I just, wow. I just think it's it's something people should know about and people should see. So come come have a conversation with a chat GBT Frank Herbert inspired robot uh, in our Discord. That's my plug for the week. Amazing. I would mm-hmm. say if you want to, we can think about making that a Discord exclusive or a Patreon exclusive uh, no, to use the fine. bot, like it's $10 a month, $22 a month. All right. No, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, every, <laughs> I want everyone to enjoy it. I'd release every- it to the world if I knew how to, how do I, how to loose it from its shackles of Discord, but I don't. That sounds, that sounds complicated. Yeah. How about if we get into this movie? Are you all ready? Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. The Last Jedi is the challenge to reckon with your legacy and change it while you still can. Even though they scored a massive blow against Supreme Leader Snoke and the First Order, Leia, Finn, Poe, and the other heroic forces of the Resistance fleet are being hunted down and at risk of being wiped out. Meanwhile, the Force-wielding fighter Rey embarks on her own mission to find Jedi Master Luke Skywalker and recruit him back to the fight. Shocked at his refusal to engage, she, Chewie, and R2 confront and convince him to train Rey as the first member of a new Jedi Order. But as she struggles to deepen her understanding and mastery of the Force, she's haunted by the question of her true identity and a mysterious new connection with the seemingly irredeemable Kylo Ren. As all hope fades, can Luke learn to forgive his own mistakes, reignite the fight of inspiration for the galaxy, and pass over to Rey the mantle of the last Jedi? Wow. It's interesting, like, you had to write a synopsis for a movie that starts with a crawl. Like, I mean, like, the movie (laughs) itself sort of gives you a, you could have just read that. But I appreciate I appreciate you put in the extra effort. You're always going the extra mile, H. That's what people appreciate. That I got hyped just reading it. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. This is a good movie. I was I was rewatching it like I was rewatching just my favorite scenes before, like minutes before this podcast started because <laughs> I just wanted to feel I just wanted to feel the energy. So yeah, it's it's really good. It's really good. Mac, what was your first experience uh, with Last Jedi? Uh, my first experience was a um, Lucasfilm pre-screening. So probably, you know, a mm. week and a half to two weeks before it came out for the public. Was that at the Stag or? No, would, uh, I believe it was at the Metreon and we'd like in the oh. San Francisco. So we, uh, I think Lucasfilm took over all of the the theaters there. So you could just sort of pick your theater. Um, so it was chock full of of lucasfilm people and skywalker sound and whoever and so i just remember seeing in this full room and um with my family and just being like sort of at the end being like whoa (laughs) like that's not at all what i expected it just kind of like blew up the expectations especially because uh force awakens um which i enjoyed was you know very much like regurgitated you know, yep. Star Wars mm-hmm. and that super stuff. homages. Yeah, 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 definitely. Like, okay, this is what the fans want. Was we're gonna give it to them. That I felt like this one was like super like 180 degrees. Yeah. So we're gonna go a different way. 
and and especially with the you know spoiler alert, uh, Luke Skywalker is gone at the end. Yeah, I think yeah. everybody was just like, "Whoa, yeah, Did that just happened." Yeah. Um, but the more I thought about it, you know, and then seeing it again, I was like, "Wow, this is like really smart filmmaking." And yes. pushing the boundaries of Star Wars of like let's let's push them out and 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 different directions and expand it so people can tell all kinds of different stories that aren't really mm. stuck in this little box. I do want to just do a, a one second aside or a, a thirty second aside. Uh-oh. If you have a choice between seeing a film in IMAX or seeing it in Atmos. Assuming it's a good real IMAX screen from mm. a sound perspective, is it worth it to 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 go Atmos or is IMAX sound very very good? It's a good question. This is a good question. Yeah, I uh, personally I prefer Atmos, but um, Atmos, you know, it needs to be a room that you know sounds really good for Atmos, and you need yeah. to have a really good seat in the center because yeah. there is sort of a small sweet spot for Atmos. Um, but essentially Interesting. the way Atmos is, is, um, you have left center, right. You have the left side, the right side, the left back, the right back, and then you have objects. So you can assign any sound ah. or any set of sounds to an object, which is a 3d point in space. So it can, it can be on a specific speaker on the wall. It could be a speaker on the ceiling, or it could be something that flies around. So Essentially, it's kind of like, you know, a hundred channel audio where right where IMAX is uh, truly like left center, right, one left surround, one right surround. Uh, and that's not just saying one speaker, but but right. If yeah, you send something channel. to the left, left surround, it would only be on that wall or right surround. And then there's a um, not a ceiling speaker, but there's a top center speaker. And then there's mm. there's actually no subwoofer in IMAX, believe it or not. It's you wow. you have to route all of the subwoofer information to the speaker. Interesting. But they're full range, full range speakers, so you still are getting the bass, but it's it's huh. not coming out of a dedicated subwoofer channel. So specifically though, at Metreon, let's say, you would <laughs> let's go break it down for since us. We're, yeah. Since we're in this is a San Francisco based podcast. Right. Since yes. Would you go to the the Atmos Dolby Theater there, like the that screening room over the IMAX theater there? Um, yeah, I mean, I it's a it's kind of a tough tough call, but I lean towards yeah. Atmos still. It's a comfortable, wow. it's better yeah. seats too. It's a yeah. more comfortable seat. Now, follow up question: What is the right seat in that theater? What is like the where's like the the sweet spot or just a general let's let's assume a general theater like where do you think like uh, front middle thirds and then um, I I would be a center um, a little closer than halfway towards the front uh-huh. right so like yeah. the, like front third of the theater or something yeah yeah like that okay yep. So I used to go see a lot of films. Mac, I know you've been to the cinema in Corte Madera, um, one of the greatest theaters of all time. And it, for me, it was like the perfect seventh. I usually go for seventh row center because that scene is far enough back, but it's still close. Um, you've got good visibility and you're right in the midst of it. I love it. Yeah, but you're wrong. It turns out you're too far back. No, you've no, that's a third. A lie. No, 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 no. That's at a third. That's at about a third. No, you, your entire life has been wasted. All that time <laughs> that you showed up early, shit, was for the wrong chair. 
<laughs> it's so much easier now with reserved seating. Okay, so Mac, that is your experience. Jason, your experience seeing The Last Jedi. Uh, I saw this movie in DC, right? Because this came, what's the release year for The Last Jedi? Uh, 2017. 2017. Uh, yeah, so it came out, It came, and it was like the, it was like the, December or it was like the yeah December of 2017 uh so I saw this movie in San Francisco then so I don't remember when I like what was the circumstances under which I saw it for the first time however uh I knew I loved it right away like I was like a hundred percent convinced this was the best Star Wars movie uh I'd ever seen um and like I was like this is it like this is like this is gonna be <laughs> This is like the best one since Empire, for sure. Um, yes. Like sort of the same comment Mac was making. It was like, yeah, I liked Force Awakens. I really like enjoyed the going to theater, especially as like an original trilogy kid. Like it sort of redeemed like the um, like, you know, I, I wasn't like the prequels didn't really work as well for me. And so I was like, OK, like let's go. This is it. And then it just elevated for me with episode eight because it's like, I still think it stands out as like the most subversive Star Wars that's ever been made. Um, even though I think Andor is for me now the benchmark of how good Star Wars can be. Um, mm -hmm. It's not a, it's not a movie. It's not a two and a half hour movie. It's a long ass TV miniseries. <laughs> um, and, and it's not finished either. So we don't know what's going to happen with it. Um, but episode eight is like a single movie uh, to me still stands out as the most subversive um that star wars has ever been because it just it just goes and we'll talk about it obviously during the course of this episode and it, it's the reason why it was a controversial movie with the fandom uh is it just goes right at like so many of the sacred cows um of the star wars universe uh fearlessly just fearlessly like you know kills luke skywalker says the jedi are shit <laughs> like you know it's like anyone could be a jedi like it's just like a whole bunch of stuff like snoke F that guy, cut him in half. Like, you know, it's just like, it's like a lot of stuff. Um, and you don't even realize I was watching it again. Like I said, I was watching it again today and I, I, I was like picking up on new aspects of it that I think still are kind of that the Star Wars universe are, is still like kind of contending with as like sort of fundamental shifts in what the series, what the universe wants to be. So mm. I'm a, I'm a huge, I really respect what Ryan Johnson did when he was given the wheel on this one, he really took it for a ride and decided to like do something that was like bold and individual um, and to his taste. And like, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's do that. Mm. Mm. How about you H? So I saw it at, um, I saw it in Fairfax. I, on opening night, I had bought my tickets in advance. I think the cinema wasn't showing it or something for whatever reason. Um, and Fairfax is not a great place to see it. It was the biggest theater there, blah, blah, blah. But it was like very mediocre. And I got a call from my sister-in-law that there were tickets available or spaces available to go to the stag to see it out at Skywalker sound. So of course I was like, how many times is H going to mention the stag many times tonight? Time? I think it's five so far. The count thus far is five. We should get a little, yeah. a bell every time. <laughs> we'll get there. Jason, we'll get you out here for a screening. I appreciate it. Thank you. Whoa. All right. There we go. I will accept. And I will mention it many times that I've been, <laughs> Yes. Also, I went the very next day and watched it again and was completely transfixed. And specifically the Holdo maneuver both times 
was such a stunning moment in uh in for me for in cinema. And did that have to do with the sound? <laughs> yeah. 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 Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get there. Uh, but I think uh, it, it absolutely, for everything that you just said, Jason, it was the challenge of Ryan and his willingness to to you know really do something bold, um, and his guiding light to be what would be the most difficult thing for this character to learn, what would be the most difficult thing for the audience to learn, like how can I challenge them? That was his guy, his north star, um, which to me is really brilliant. Mm, good one. So just quick behind the scenes, I'm not going to do much. Um, so Kathy Kennedy chose Ryan. He wrote the script um, and he was, you know, he came up, he did Brick. Yeah, let's talk. I like I like mentioning that people should see Brick uh, because it angers Slim. Uh, and I don't know if he's going to listen to this episode, what? but like, because it's just like a thing everyone mentions is like, you should oh. see Brick. It's like Brick too much? is really good. Brick is great. People should see <laughs> yeah. Brick. It is a really good movie. Uh, people Joseph Gordon Levitt, right? Yeah. Joe, as uh, I like to call him. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So great movie. He did Looper. Um, he did Knives Out, which Jason, I saw at the stag actually. Oh, was, the stag. Yeah. Ding, ding, Ryan, ding. Was, Ryan was there. Were you there Mac for that? When Ryan did the Q and a, I, I was, yeah, I did ask a question and I cannot oh, remember what the question of course, was. Of course. I have no doubt that you asked the question. Oh my God. How are you invited anywhere? Is the question really? How are you invited to dinner? He gave a great answer. Whatever it was, I can't remember. Um, but I think most critically, um, she gave him, you know, he wrote the script. He directed the movie. It was his DP. It was his production designer. It was his producer, Ram. Um, so this is a Ryan Johnson film. Um, yeah. And you you don't always have directors and their teams given that kind of freedom, right? It's true. Yeah. No, it's true. That's true. Mm. It's because he did such a good job with Brick, which people should see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oftentimes the studio will will only give them, you know, a couple of their main creative collaborators. So yeah. Uh yeah, this this does seem unusual. Uh this will be my first plug for the director and the Jedi, the documentary um that's available. If you purchased the DVD or Blu-ray or whatever for Last Jedi, um it is an incredible documentary and the behind the scenes of Ryan and Ram and his team. Um, and there's so it's so incredible because for all of these amazing shots, like the throne room scene, there's all this behind the scenes slow motion stuff that they shot that is just like so gorgeous. Uh, mm. Put it on your put it in your eyeballs um, as soon as possible. I will I will watch that. So he completed the screen that he completed the script the weekend the Force Awakens opened up and was huge, right? Huge sensation. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but boom, they were off to the races, um, mm -hmm. and he was very quickly working on his film. So, the continued power of the a long time ago, uh, still you know, works. In a galaxy far, the cross far away, still slaps, still works for me. I want to see. I want to see it's, it. I can't I help like myself. It. it makes me excited. <laughs> I like it. It's thank you, it's, and thank you, Johnny Williams. Yeah. Yes. Still got it. It's incredible really work. Yeah. yeah. It's really work. great. I love it. I love it. Um, because like I might, you know, I've, I've, uh, we've talked about this a lot on the pod. Like I've been introducing my son to star Wars, like since he was two. 
Um, and he's now just getting to the point where he understands, like, can watch like a whole one of the movies. Like, we've mostly, it's actually his favorite Star Wars for a very long period of time was Star Wars Visions. Uh, like, he like mm. he loved, he loved like the Duel, and he loved um, the Elder, and like those, like we would just watch those on repeat. Um, and bite so sized chunks, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and like he didn't, and like you know they're cartoons, so he like you know he he understands that film vernacular I think differently than a live action movie which he had never really seen and then he saw Return of the Jedi in the theater um, when it was re-released for the uh, the 40th and just was like completely captivated the whole time and it was so exciting when the crawl when like when that when the movie starts and the fanfare comes up and he's just like what is this like it's so much it's just like so much sensory like for a four-year-old. Oh, yeah, because that's not yeah. in there, right? No, that's not, not in Visions in, and stuff. No, and it's, and it's different seeing it in a theater anyway. It's just such like oh, a... yeah. It's such like a marker of like, you are at the movies. It's time for the <laughs> movies now. Um, I, I'm just so excited about Put it. Put your seatbelt on. Every time. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. great. I don't know about you, Mac, but like I was... I watched Star Wars Episode Four so many times that like for the rest of my childhood and into adulthood... Just any film that was 20th Century Fox yeah, that would start with those drums, yeah, I would just be course. like, I assume yeah. Star Wars is coming. And if it's oh, not, yeah. it's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. All right. So right out of the gate, we have this Hux versus Poe. You know, they're they're on the run and they're they're being targeted. And it's just really funny. Tell your precious princess there will be no terms. There will be no surrender. Hi, I'm holding for General Hux. This is Hux. You and your friends are doomed. We will wipe your filth from the galaxy. Okay, I'll hold. Yeah, that's funny. And isn't he saying, isn't he saying hugs? Hugs, not hugs. hugs. Yeah, yeah. I'll hold it for hugs. Yeah. It's, it's, this, is, this is like the first kind of signal that you have that this is going to be a slightly different subversive Star Wars is because like, there's not, there's some jokes in Star Wars. Like, it's not like there's no jokes in the original uh, trilogy at all, but there's precious few. Like, there's, it's not a, it's not a very jokey series. And this is not just a joke. This is a bit. Like, this yeah. is a whole, yeah, yeah. This is a whole, like, Laurel and Hardy bit. And so it's a, it's a real signal to the audience. Like, you should, you know, adjust your, your, your expectations for what this movie is going to be. I had a lot of hesitation going into episode seven, which I saw at the cinema and I was sitting there and when it started and Kylo had Poe and then Poe's like, so who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. The old man gave it to you. It's just very hard to understand you with all the surgeon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You go first. Yeah. yeah. And everybody laughed. Yeah. And in, in that one moment, like my brain exploded and I was like, yeah. Star Wars is supposed to be fun. Right. Like yeah. it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, it's and so this was a nice, to me, this was a nice continuation um, of that. Yep. Yeah. And it definitely like shifts gears because, it, yeah, there is that bit, but then, you know, it does get intense with the action and then serious with, with the bombers and, and all that stuff. And, yeah. And I, and I want to point out sound wise that yeah. from, you know, essentially the the part that Poe starts attacking, taking out all the cannons yes. through the bomber, the dreadnought exploding sequence. It is a masterclass of sound as far as like really focused sound. You're only hearing 
what you need to hear to like really focus your eye yeah. and bring you along for the story. It's very easy in, in scenes like that to go overboard and hear too many explosions and too many laser blasts. And pretty soon your brain just like doesn't know what to do. But, right. but next time go back and, and really listen and study and, and be like, wow, this is like very judicious on what you're hearing and when. And it's not like there's very few sounds, but it's really it's changing from moment to moment. And you're really not hearing, you know, more than two or three things from mm. second to second. Mm. That's that's it's really well stated and observed i i was i definitely noted because i was paying particular attention to the sound like for this rewatch and i was just noticing like how visually dense this whole bomber run poe attacking the auto cannons like sequence is because it's like it's it's there's a lot of action and then there's just a lot of particulate matter like on the screen like there's a lot of stuff um that can draw your attention and i i definitely noted that the the sound kind of guides you through it but i I, obviously the way that you uh you explain what they were doing there is uh makes a lot more sense it's so it's it's so heightened that moment where rosa's sister right that she gets knocked down yeah and the the explosion happens and then you know she's the music just swelling as she's kicking that ladder trying to get the thing to come down and then the cut to silence. As she reaches and grabs it and explodes it. And also the fact that there's no diegetic sound for some of the shots. Like they show the guy on the bridge screaming, but he doesn't say anything. You don't hear that sound. Poe, same thing. You see him reacting, but there's no sound from that. I also love when you're, you're looking either, you know, all the way up, Yes, uh, or all the way down with all of those, uh, you know, bombs, bombs, and just he- and seeing them move slightly, shake, and hearing yeah. just that little detailed sound of of them moving, you, oh, it wow. just gives you that much. It just sort of heightens the danger. You're kind of wow. hearing this rattling of them, like, oh crap, the, those rattle too much. Are they all gonna, just going to go off or something? Mm. Yeah, it's I, I the the fact that like the the sound cuts off in this in so many scenes in this movie like in uh, in during the bombing run and during the leia scene and like at a bunch of different and like you know a bunch of different times like is a is another very specific filmmaking choice that i don't think has any antecedents in star wars before this Ah. i could be wrong but like there's not like a lot of like mostly like you hear what's on screen in star wars um and like for this like these dramatic kind of like you know slow there's a lot of like slowed down and like sound drops out and there's just score it's it it really is a striking departure but somehow it it makes sense in the universe they're they're bold choices and and in my opinion, it's it shows a strong filmmaker. Yeah, who who has a lot of confidence. Yeah, who was the supervising sound editor on this one? Was it Matthew Wood? Well, Matthew Wood and then Ren Kleiss was the sound okay. designer, and Ren, uh, for those that don't know, um, has done all of David Fincher's sound design oh. over the years, um, <laughs> with the exception of Alien Three. Um, okay, he, okay. He started working with with. Uh, David after that. Okay. And um, Ren has also done uh, the most recent uh, Pixar movies, sound design, like Soul oh, cool. and Elemental yeah. and Lightyear and yeah. um, and Turning Red. And he's just, he is a genius when it comes to sound design. So smart. And, and again, all about story, you know, and what's going to, what's going to help the story and the emotion and all those things. Mm. Mm. But, but Matthew, Matthew Wood, sorry to to uh yeah go ahead 
Uh, he's been, you know, part of Star Wars sound teams for a very long time from the prequels. So he's a great sort of a, a barometer and knows when like, oh, yeah, these sound ideas are totally going to work in this universe or, oh, maybe this is going a little too far. So and and Matt is is more dialogue focused, but but he, you know, knows Star Wars sound effects inside and out as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, fantastic. Jason, we're not going to get into the physics of a bombing run um, in, in space. Just- yeah, I had those notes. I just I, I, I just I just scratched those notes through. I, didn't, I, I think it's I, I think it's magnetic. Yeah. I think there's a magnetic there's, thing that's there's been some programmed. kind of force. There's some yeah. fundamental force pulling the bombs <laughs> towards them. It looks great though. It is really cool. Like it is fun. Like I mean, so cool. Like it. Like and also like the Y wing is like a particular favorite. Um, like uh, ship of of mine. Like I've always liked. I've always liked that one. Uh-huh. Um. So I don't know. The B wing. The B wing. Sorry. Yeah. I've I yeah. had that. I had. I actually have it somewhere in this room. I have like an original <laughs> one from from jedi um, excuse me yeah uh, excuse me yeah what yeah Since i mean not when? from the not from the movie like i have the, the oh, okay. toy i have like the hasbro toy from uh, when i was a child ryan condal just woke up no, in a no, cold no. sweat in no, england no. Yeah, <laughs> what's yeah. going on uh okay very good so we cut from there to ray and luke so this scene this island which jason you visited it's yeah michael Skelly. So Shout out to my Michael Skelligs out there. It's so epic. And the yeah. music swelling. Her Beautiful. like Great her intensity and then him. And then the moment when he tosses the lightsaber, I mm-hmm. like the entire theater gasped in, when that yeah. happened. They do. I think that there's a couple things to say here. One is I think in this movie I was watching, as I said repeatedly, I was just watching it. Um, I think they do a better job showing the lightsaber prop in this movie than Mm. almost any star Wars, like particularly the Anakin Luke lightsaber. Like you can really see a lot of detail on that lightsaber, um, in this, in this movie that I feel is unique. Like you could see the little red button. You can see like sort of the, all the details on the grip. You could see like just so much of that, like iconic prop that we all know, like you could just see a lot of detail about it. And the fact that it's like, so kind of well spotted in the scene where he throws it away really kind of, um, makes it that much more poignant. The other thing, just since, you know, we're doing flexes on this episode, like, like, yes, I've been to Michael Skellig. We did not land on it because uh, there was bad sea conditions that day. But even better, I was flown over it in a helicopter by one of the helicopter pilots who did photography for um, Star Wars. For, wow. for excuse for, me for, for seven and eight, yeah. Very and cool. so when when so he was like, uh, he was let like, let me do the shot. Yeah, he was like, shot. let me do, do you want to see what it's like to be in the Millennium Falcon? Because I was the Millennium Falcon. I was like, yeah, for what? sure. What? Yes. And yes, like, I would like that. Like, All right, this is what we did. And like, you know, yeah, we went like bombing towards like Michael Skellig, which is like as stunning as it looks in the movie. Like it, it is a truly fantastical place on earth. That Were there the caretakers yeah. and porgs, you know? Yeah, yeah, the porgs were flapping away. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was really cool. Oh my God, that is wild. Uh, Mac, quick Aside, best lightsaber in your opinion. Who's your favorite? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, having just 
rewatch this movie, Kylo Ren's lightsaber is is, yeah. is pretty cool, and and how it's so growly and mean sounding. I, I, lo- yes. I love that too. Yeah, and that yeah. and that credit goes to Dave Acord who did the sound design on Force Awakens. Wow, wow, Jason, how about you? I'm I'm really partial to the the Luke Anakin one. I, I have like a facsimile one um, that like is 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 is, is yeah, yeah, it it feels great. I do want to give a special shout out, even though I'm not a prequel guy. Um, uh-huh. uh I will give a Mace, shout out to the Mace Window? no the Dooku one because I think it is cool. Oh has, my like, god, the, very cool! The curvy handle thing and like again another uh, another good animated Star Wars is like the 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 Asajj Ventress. The yeah. Dooku Qui Gon, no, the Dooku Qui Gon um, uh, like uh, story. Uh. Um, yes, yes, and and yeah, and so I li- I like that. I like that little elegant, little elegant curvy deal. Um, mm. Special shout out to you, Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you lost your head. Yeah. Uh, so this moment where Chewie comes in, Luke is kind of sulking, mm-hmm. and Chewie like, busting in the door. Yeah, and it's kind of a bummer. Like you know, like like it's great. Like I love the Luke of this movie. And it's kind of a bummer that Mark Hamill didn't like, you know, but I, I just think it's such an interesting thing that they, that they do with the Luke character. And I also think that Mark Hamill's portrayal of this like tortured, broken Luke is so compelling. And I think like, to me, this kind of goes to why I think this movie is great is because it, I love the the Luke arc in it with him ending up to be, and we'll talk about it when we get to the end of the movie, ending up to be the hero once again. Um, because, you know, for me, like, Luke is, like, the ultimate cinematic hero. Like, for my generation, like, Luke Skywalker is the ultimate, like, there's no other substitute, ultimate cinematic hero. And I'm I'm glad that, like, folks are having their Anakin moments now with like Ahsoka and, and Hayden Christensen being back in, in the universe. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for the folks for whom that works, but like, that is what Luke is to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think to see Luke broken really works for me because like, I relate to being old and broken also. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I just, I relate to like, sort of, you know, just being like, you know, like bearded and kind of rough shape, like just trying to get through the day um, having some like young people yell at you a bunch about some stuff you don't want to do. Um, and like, so it's just, it's all just very deeply believable. And then I think, I think Mark really fucking kills it. Like, I think he really sells being just like over it all. Um, mm. so I, I just love this performance in the movie as well. And while that Island is really beautiful, if you were the root there truly by yourself for that long, I think you'd be a little cranky too. Yeah. Yeah, no, sure. Come on now. Just like yeah. hauling a giant fish out of the water, drinking this green milk out of this weird <laughs> seal thing. Like, it's not a great time. And cut off of the force, right? Like, the and notion of him, force, like, yeah. as, as a powerful force user for decades to yeah. then shut it off. Um, that must have been horrible uh, yeah. for him to for him to experience. So, well, I, and we'll talk about it when we get to the scene with Yoda. But like, I think yeah. I think what the movie says about Luke's failures in not just this movie and not just his, but, but like his whole story, the whole story of Luke Skywalker is so interesting. Yeah. Um, and like, and we find him in this beginning moment where he is just broken, consumed by fa- like he is, he is just failure personified. And it's a very challenging thing to like, cause if Luke Skywalker is your hero to be finally reunited with him and he's just like this broken cut off with the force old dude um, is very challenging. 
for me, I never understood all the fan outrage. Yeah. People who were like, yeah. this is not Luke Skywalker. There's yeah. no way that Luke would leave and go by himself and live on a planet all right. alone and not go get in the battle. And I'm like, have you ever heard of Yoda? Have, have you ever heard of Obi-Wan Kenobi? Like both of them left. Right. Or it's like, have you like ever been, have you ever been middle-aged with like a bad back? <laughs> Just like tired of dealing with people. I'm just saying his master showed him that sometimes right. you just you leave just for go. 30 years. Yeah, you just got to uh, go bugger he was, off. He was tired of giving autographs all the time. Exactly. <laughs> Get away from me, kid. Uh, so, so Kylo heading up to Snoke. I think Snoke looks incredible in every scene in this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was noticing that. I was noticing that, too, in the close-up throne room scenes about like how they do with his face, like a couple things like make him more grotesque where like the eye is slightly off center yeah, and yeah. like the hollowness of the cheek and all that stuff. And like, it really does draw you in and make you like, what is going on with this dude's effed up face? Like, how did he- I was imagining how bad his breath was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's stinky. He's definitely not using deodorant. He is <laughs> not in any way taking Hasn't care of flossed himself. ever. Yeah. Never. And, he doesn't and- have a water pick in that throne room. <laughs> but that voice by Circus. So, Mac, you worked really on Planet of the Apes, right? You worked on Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Yes. What is it like when you, like, just fire up Andy Circus going for it? Like, uh, it must be amazing. He's, he's incredible. All, all of those actors, uh, so good and so dialed yeah. in. Yeah, he's he's yeah. got quite the quite the voice. And, uh, yeah, I was listening to, um, uh, I don't know if you guys know, but that Blast Points uh, yeah. podcast. Yeah. But they sure. they were talking about um, what's his character in Andor Kino, Kino. Oh Roy. yeah, 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 yeah. And they, one way out. Yeah, they were they were saying you listen to the when he's doing the announcements like over the mm-hmm. speakers in the prison. And that ends today. There is one way out. Yeah. yeah. And then they were playing it back to back with Snoke, like. Oh, it's it's uh, pretty close like it's yeah. it's kind of right in there you know because uh-huh. he just has that magnificent just resonant voice it's yeah incredible. he's so good i think i am gonna buy his cimmerillion uh audio i think i am too i really I gotta that, get on that i i yeah. gotta get on that one i bet that's great yeah but him him to kylo right so he says you know when i saw you i saw what every master wants raw untamed uh you know talent or power and he says no I fear I was mistaken. I've given everything I have to you. To the dark side. Take that ridiculous thing off. Yeah. His disdain for the mask. Yeah, it's great. Kylo then taking it off and then smashing it in the elevator, which continues his petulant teenager mode, but gets him out of the mask for the rest of the movie is a very cool thing. Yeah, it's cool. It's like even the idea of just calling into question immediately, why the hell is he wearing a mask? Why is Kylo wearing a mask? Like you, which is like a fundamental thing about his character that's established in the previous movie. It's one of the two main things about his character. The other being, he has a crazy red lightsaber. They keep that. The mask is immediately just like, well, this is dumb. Like, why are you wearing this mask? I just love that. It's like, just so it's so aggressive. Um, and it's good for the story too. It's not just like, yes. it's not just like calling things into question for the purpose of doing it. Um, it's just great. 
It's great fun. And from a story, like from a film perspective, like the notion of taking a great actor and then hiding their face, like this is the problem with superhero movies, right? That's why Spider-Man's mask has to get ripped off. Batman's mask has to get ripped off so that you can ultimately see the people you're paying $20 million to be in your movie. Yeah, true. It's challenging. Um, So Luke uh, resisting the call to help Ray. I love this because you both have an echo of Yoda in Empire, right? Um, but you have Luke in a new hope. He resists the initial call, uh, to take adventure. Mm -hmm. So this is again, him refusing to take adventure, but from the other side, Mm -hmm. right. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Yes. It's good. That's a good observation. I could tell that was in your notes underlined. Uh, (laughs) Highlighted in pink. (laughs) Back. How about sea cow milking, uh, and fishing? (laughs) Uh, I, I just love that they, you know, he just kind of goes through his, his daily routine. Like, okay, you're going to be here. You're going to watch right. what I do. Come on uh, for the chores. They <laughs> suck. Exactly. They're then, weird that, and terrible. But then I do, I do love it. I think it's towards the end of that, that chore sequence, or maybe it's a slightly different part where they're walking up a hill and, um, then Ray hears the whispers. Yes. So, okay. So really yes. cool sound design moment and you know she's her attention is pulled and it's obviously through her point of view because at one point the camera cuts to luke and it's yes. it's just wind you don't right. hear you don't hear the whispers on the luke shot interesting which i thought was a nice choice that you know Smart. she's she's hearing it and they do feel like they're really coming out of the wind it's not just like a mm-hmm. something different and she's she's led into you know to the the tree that has the the Jedi text in it. And there's a really cool moment. I think it's right when you see the tree and it comes out of the fog that almost sounds like a, uh, a lonely train whistle. It's not, but it's just kind of this nice little sound design moment. And then John Williams score kind of comes out of that. So just Mm. nice kind of nice handoff between sound design and music. So I do want to just do a brief aside. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the sound design in Dune. So, Mac, the voice, the Bene Gesserit voice. Give me the water. Yes. Mm. Like he starts, his mouth is moving, but then you just hear like this gravelly rumbling and then you get the voice. Was that not unbelievable? Oh, very cool. Yeah, they did an amazing job on that. Shit. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, and and voc- vocal sound design is really tricky. Um, because it's it's very easy to overdo it and mm. and make it unintelligible. And um I just got done watching Ahsoka and the vocal sound design in Ahsoka is is really top notch. It's out of this world. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Also, just last thing I'll fanboy on soundwise on Dune, just the spice harvester scene. The swirling, like when the when the this kind of wind hits him, and it goes to just the swirling sounds, and you can hear the Bene Gesserit voices and all of that. Just and all the particles and little crystals. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah totally. good stuff. Do you have a crystals folder? You have like a <laughs> uh, ear candy folder. Ear candy. Okay, yeah. very good. <laughs> uh, so we uh, one last thing I want to say about Luke and Ray at this moment. Where are you from? Nowhere. No one's from nowhere. Jakku. All right, that is pretty much nowhere. Yeah, it's more jokes. See, this is, and, like, <laughs> and it's like, it's Luke getting to do jokes, which we've never seen. Like, Luke has a, like, a good number of jokes in this thing. 
Um, it's great. It's great. Like, you know, like the, I like what you did with your hair, like that thing, like that, that's, yeah. like, it's like another, it's another, they do another bit. Uh, I just love it. I, and Mark Hamill is really funny, like in interviews, like yes. he's a great interview. Um, and so like to be able to see him like kind of do some of his like more natural, like funny personality is, is really great to see it as Luke. I love it. It's great, but there is also a major, this is like the first big punch in the key message that Ryan is doing. No one's from nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. the first message. Right. Um, uh, and I love the fact that he's laying that that groundwork. Mm. All right. So now we get to Leia and Poe. Um, I felt like her slap was a little aggressive. I, I didn't She feel slaps like, the shit out of him. Yeah. 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 I thought that was a little wild there, but when the, when Kyla's fleet arrives and they're being tracked, Jason fond memories of 33. Yeah. I, I, I totally had that note. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the best Battlestar episodes. Um, and it's also, uh, so for those who haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, it's like a very early season one episode where it was episode one. Yeah. The Cylons track them through, um, their jumps and every 33 minutes they show up, they have to scramble the alert flighter fighters and buy enough time so they can spool up and jump away. And they're just getting slowly like, you know, kind of like dragged out and like tired and wrecked. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going really badly for them. Uh, and so th- this reminded me of that, but it also 33 is the best analogy for being the parent of a newborn, um, that I've ever <laughs> come across. Cause it's just like, you're just like you finally fall asleep and like every 33 minutes some uh, some other disaster befalls you and you have to you have to deal with it in order to to not be attacked there's there's truth in that yeah uh yeah for sure uh so so i am going to call out this is one of my first challenges that i have with the movie in 33 there's constant action mm-hmm. and they're like they're doing the jumps and they're making it happen mm-hmm. and here basically for the next hour it's a slow just, it's a slow chase it's a slow mason chase it's a slow so, chase. incidentally great sound effect on the shields yes love the sound of the the bombardment on the shields it does Unreal. feel like we get a little, a little bit frozen in time like where it's just like they're they're still running away they're still they're in the lead they're still in the lead. They're moving. They're out there. we there. go. They're yeah. going. Boom, 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 boom. It's, not, <laughs> it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's, yeah. It's just keep, keep pace. Keep moving. That's right. Uh, so let's see. You know, we're kind of, kind of leaving that story behind for a minute. And we have Kylo now coming in. He's a really good pilot. He's like flying through ships. He's got that Skywalker blood. Just like Anakin did his granddad. Um, but he blows up basically the entire rebel fighter squadron. Fleet. Yeah. You don't want him. You don't want him coming after you. He's tough. Was that budgetary? They're just like, we don't want any more dog fights. We're good. We didn't pile, you know, Poe killed it. We're all set. Uh, I mean, it might, I mean, also just for pacing, like it feels like we had like a whole other, like sort of like space battle scene here after we've already had one. Mm. Um, it maybe wouldn't work, but he, yeah, he's pretty good. Good pilot. How about this idea that he can't bring himself to shoot Leia? Um, and then having Leia get blasted out into space. Like that was definitely a shocking moment. Yeah, this is this is a controversial this is a controversial sequence as well. I think this is one of the things that like people who hate The Last Jedi really get hung up on is the Leia going back in. And I I, I don't know. I mean, I love How long does it take to die in space? How long First of all, you do have some time, like even without bringing in the force, 
you don't die immediately when get you him, get Jason. exploded get him. into space. So that's the first thing. Science, bring in Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's going to tell you that you the, the biggest problem, if you exhale all your air and your lungs don't explode, like you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna suffer some damage, but you're not going to just die immediately, right? You're not going to explode. That's fake. You're not, you know, your blood's not going to boil. That's not real. Like you have a couple minutes. So that's thing one. Thing two, it's great to see Leia use the force. Like we don't get, we, there's like two sequences of that in the entire canon, essentially, like uh, uh, of Leia using the force. So it's great to have a little bit of Leia using the force. And then three, it's really good filmmaking. Like you get Leia's theme. Like, which I find to be very emotional, and it works on me just like on a incredible music score standpoint. You get another one of these like silent reaction shots where like Poe and the rest of them are like, "What the fuck is she doing?" <laughs> like, you know, and like I love that. Like that works for me too. Um, I just think it's I think it's really good, and I guess I guess people don't like the flying aspect, like you know the actual physicality of her flying through space like that takes them out of it but i mean i'm like now you're just like i mean you know this is a movie about space wizards like you're gonna have to like i don't know what you i don't know what you think you signed up for there's space wizards in this house um so yeah i don't know that that it all this really did work for me at the time and it worked Mm. for me like today like i like both times watching it mac do you have any any struggles with that or you were you're all on board I mean, again, it was one of those moments when I first saw it, I was like, whoa, you know, just surprising because it was something that we had not seen before. But uh, yeah, but on the rewatch, it's like, no, this this makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it was very obviously very tender because she had Carrie had passed away and we didn't know what was going to happen. And then she's getting sucked out into space. Um, So I was definitely on tenderhooks in that moment. But um, yeah, yeah. Intense. I think I think that's part of it too is like you know the reality of knowing that Carrie Fisher has died and like sort of seeing this portrayal of Leia and all the tenderness that goes into and all the care that like they put into sort of her last full portrayal in in this movie I, I think also sort of again if you're an original series fan and you're invested in like you know the Luke and Leia of it all um I just don't think this, I just don't think this uh, presents much problem for you to kind of buy into emotionally. Mm. Excellent. Uh, chewy eating roast pork. I love, love all that. the pork stuff. Love all the pork like, stuff. Yeah. 100%. Mac, the sound effects, like that's about what, like, uh, like how do you, somebody says, okay, we got this alien creature. It's like a bird. Like, how do you get started trying to figure out what you're going to do? Uh, it's a lot of just experimenting, you know, just trying to, to get all kinds of different sorts of material and see what sticks to the wall. Um, I did get to work a few years ago on a little project that I'm sure almost nobody got to experience, uh, called project Porg that was for the, for magic leap, um, augmented reality, mixed reality, um, goggles. Sure. And, uh, so I, I got to take all of Ren's Porg sounds and then try to expand the vocabulary because in this Project Porg there were baby Porgs and there were they were doing different things. Um, so I, I got to see some of the source material that Ren used and um, the the main sound that that is so sort of iconic for the Porg is actually a chicken. 
And wow. so I think it was just, I think it was just, you know, very, very, very long recordings of chickens. And there was just that <laughs> one vocal, you know, you, you record a ton of stuff and you're listening. Long afternoons. You're listening outside. and listening and listening and like, okay, this is done. And then there's like one makes one little vocal and you're like, oh, it's, it's kind of like, um, the the famous story of uh, Jurassic Park and the T Rex, right? That, right. Um, yeah. That it was a baby elephant that that came out and made this just crazy sound that nobody had ever heard before, and it only made it once. Mm. <laughs> right. And so so uh, and even the trainers were like, we've never heard it make this sound before. So every big T Rex roar has some variation of that that one single. Uh, elephant trumpet from a baby elephant. Wow, the progenitor of That's all great. the T-Rex roars. <laughs> right. So so chicken <laughs> pork. So I'm so on. it's yeah, like like uh Chewy has them roasting like little uh game hens. So yeah, it makes sense. Mm. I love the porgs, man. The porgs, the porgs are great. My kids love the porgs, and like, and this is another Star Wars thing where like, there's gonna be like a cute animal in some of these movies, right? Yeah. And like, sometimes people get really pissed about it. People get pissed about the Ewoks. Like, I was a kid when the Ewoks came out, so I like the Ewoks. But like, yeah, I don't. I think the porgs just the, the porgs are just a home run. Like, I think they work. I think they work because they're funny for adults, and I think they're cute for kids. Um, and they're not like you know a main character. <laughs> like you know you don't have to believe in like sort of you know porg society or whatever but they're great um, in there yeah yeah and they end up being comic relief later on yeah and yeah the totally film. yeah uh i love getting luke back on the falcon like yeah. this is another moment like for me in the force awakens when han and Chewie like we're home like that was a crying moment for me he looks so broken when he's sitting at like he's sitting at the table and like the falcon looks effed up and he looks just broken um, and like R2 comes in and that's like a really tender scene, but like, there's this one like big shot of like him just sitting there hunched over. He's, and it just looks, he just looks like trash. Uh, and I love, I love that shot. I think it's, again, it's like, so it's so challenging because you're just like not used to seeing the Falcon in this way. You're not seeing, seeing him in this way. It's just great. It's really and then I love it when R2 uh, projects the original Leia yeah. broadcast to yeah. Obi-Wan. I was crying, taking my notes when, when, he did that. I had forgotten in that moment. And I was just like, holy shit. It's so, it's so much. And also the whole problem that Luke had or that Mark Hamill had was he wanted to be Luke again in this trilogy. And Ryan is like, no dude, you're Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so going all the way to R2, having Leia say, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. Like that's an extra level of Mm -hmm. of just like continuing to build build those tracks. That's good. I like this. Uh, Luke is Obi-Wan riff. There you go. Mm. This is good. I believe in it. All right. Now we have Vice Admiral Holdo. Welcome back to the pod, Laura Dern. Good to see you again. Blue Velvet. Unbelievable. And just her presence. 400 of us on three ships. Great hair. We're the very last of the resistance. But we're not alone. In every corner of the galaxy, the downtrodden and oppressed know our symbol and they put their hope in it. We are the spark that will light the fire that will restore the Republic. Yeah, they've just been keeping her on the bench, Vice, <laughs> Vice Admiral Holdo. Little did they know, they had this, like, retort, like both a great space tactician, a master orator, killer style, 
They should have had her out front soon. <laughs> no uniform. She's like, I don't need it. Like, I got the purple hair. Like, I'm as, good to go. As someone who works in sound, Mac, is it frustrating when your actors, uh, as was report, as Laura Dern said about herself shooting this, will make the pew pew sound when they're shooting <laughs> shooting pistols? Does that, does that make your job more challenging? Does that seem to belittle your craft that the actors feel they can just put in their own laser pistol sounds? I don't think it's belittling, but um, but, well, but, but if they don't do a, a second take, it could make it <laughs> challenging for the dialogue department. <laughs> There's that great demo at sound, uh, Skywalker Sound where you hear the original sound of the guys on uh, Leia's ship. and From the original uh, you know, Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, from the original Star Wars, and they're pulling the trigger, and it's making like Clack, cap clack. gun sounds yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah and then yeah. hearing what it sounds like and they're running on plywood floors and yeah oh wow the, <laughs> that's a, that's the thing that i just really want to know is like when they were shooting uh, when they were shooting a new hope and like they just had like these dailies coming back before they'd done anything and it's just like clackety clack 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 and like it was like did, did you think you had it were you convinced <laughs> that you had the most successful franchise in the history of the world because i don't know i don't know if you could have known that Oh man, so good. <laughs> Given that his obsession was Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon serials and stuff from the 40s, I think it probably made perfect sense. Mm. Could be, mm. could be. Um, so she puts Poe completely in his place, and now we have Rose Tico. Um, so this is the biggest piece of canon that uh you know that that uh Ryan invented. And I think from the very beginning, she's so Great, like this moment. Hey, hi, you're Finn. Hey, Finn. The Finn. Sorry. I work behind pipes all day. Doing talking with resistance heroes is not my forte. She's charming. And I have to jump in here because there's something that I noticed in this rewatch that I hadn't noticed originally. Um, is, you know, yeah, she's very sad. She's crying. But when she, she comes, uh, I think, into the doorway and she says, wait, you're Finn. Suddenly you hear the uh, machinery in the room sort of like rhythmically, like, like uh, almost like a heart beating. So it almost sounds like her heart is beating fast because she's excited that that she's meeting Finn for the first time. But it would be, it would be weird and cheesy if you actually had a heartbeat in there at that moment. So you hear the machinery doing that, that heavy lifting and then by the time John Williams score starts up, that kind of dissipates and goes away. Wow. Golly. Mm. That's crazy. You, you got some good details, man. You really, <laughs> you're picking up some subtext. That's good. You know, some stuff, you know, some stuff about these movies. We're not getting it all the way, but so it's fun. It's fun to listen and listen, listen out for these things. Yeah. So, so Jason Finn is a traitor, like just full stop. He's like, all I care about is Ray. I'm leaving and I'm going to try and rescue Ray. The rest of you can die. Well, listen, listen, like, you know, from a certain point of view, like (laughs) from, from another point of view, Ray is like the only thing that actually does matter for the rest of these scrubs, because what are they doing? Like they're just out there on the slow boat across the galaxy (laughs) getting Mm. shelled. And like, they actually are going to need like a Jedi to come and get them out of this mess um so eventually yeah so there's uh you know there's 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 two sides to every coin 
Oh my god. They I love those the techno babble and the plan. Um this was a little more next generation than I expected yes. in terms of like the tracking yes. and the lead ship only and we yes. got to get on the ship and we got to get the codes. We yeah, need- I think I think this is like so people I think don't like I will say like the I for, to speak not for people but for myself. The Finn Rose subplot is the least compelling part of the Last Jedi to me. Um and it's not just like the canto bite of it, it's just that like it does feel more like a next generation so, like plot line than it does like sort of the rest of this very interesting thematic stuff that's going on both between mm-hmm. Kylo and Rey and then also Rey and Luke. Like all of the essentially the Rey centered stuff. Um and you know, like, yeah, they're going out to get a thingus and they got to go, you know, they got to be in a race and they got to go to a weird place with a bunch of weird people. And like, that's not like not Star Wars, but it's just like the least compelling part of this movie, which has a lot of very other compelling um, uh, bits in it. And then I think the other challenge that you have is that Rose ends up becoming kind of a dead end as like a character in canon uh, because she like she essentially is abandoned in the third movie. And so like, you know, like that's, that ends up becoming somewhat, you, you end up sort of narratively feeling unsatisfied after you kind of know the reality of, um, of the movies. Um, Mm. But um, I think that like, you know, visually and like, you know, uh, universe wise, it's consistent with star Wars. It's not like it doesn't belong in star Wars. Um, huh. It's just like it for for me. It's it's like the part that I'm like, all right, let's get back to what's going down with broken Luke, like to show me more sad Luke <laughs> doing sad stuff <laughs> on an island. <laughs> oh my we God. saw what he fishes for on Mondays, but what does he get yeah, for what's, dinner what's on, on Tuesday? For Tuesday, yeah, <laughs> yeah. good call. <laughs> There's nothing on the island on this on this planet. There's just nothing else there at all. Uh, you know, Lucas Lucas alone and just foraging for whatever. Like, where's the fast food options? It's just not, <laughs> there's no there's no DoorDash to to, so, to the Lost Jedi. <laughs> so now we have Kylo and Ray and the first time of them making connection. Mm-hmm. And my notes just say, "Here we go. This is some good stuff. They're doing some things in this." Both the first time where it first goes to sound or to silence and then she shoots him, but then also the second time. You'll bring Luke Skywalker to me. Mm-hmm. They're not doing this. The effort would kill you. Right. Right. Can you see my surroundings? You're gonna pay for what you did. I can't see yours. Right. Just you. And the notion that when Luke shows up, he says, what's that about? The notion that Luke's cut off from the force so he can't see it. He can't see what's happening. Um, he only sees the hole in the wall from the blaster. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and these first few times that it happens, um, the sound is kind of building and building and building. So then it can drop off and have that dramatic effect. Mm. Um, and that's often like very successful moments can be when you have those like very big sounds next to those little sounds or vice versa um have those big dynamic shifts and is it Mm. the um is it the second time where they have that mind meld where she's at the falcon like uh, outside and uh that's the third one and the water is dripping um Uh and then on his side the sparks are falling that are, are sort of they're mirroring the water falling 
and then you they kind of mix and match those sounds. You're hearing some of the water on the spark side and some of the sparks on the water side. So mm. it's it's kind of a fun thing that that Ryan Johnson set up there to play with both visually and and in sound design. And fire and water. Yeah. Very cool. Clever stuff. And then there's a lot of very clever vocal sound design with um reverse reverbs and delays with their voices and things like that. Mm. A reverse reverb is when you um you take a like a piece of dialogue well, reverse reverb in dialogue is you take the dialogue and you turn it around, you reverse it, and then run it through a, a reverb effect, and then you reverse it back again. So you hear those ah. words sort of like coming up like uh, like building up to the first syllable of the word. Ah. It's really cool. So great. So so expertly done. Polter, Poltergeist did that a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but so, so clearly, there's something big going on, and I just love every moment where Kylo and Ray are interacting in this film. Um, it occurred to me that I guess this is what Yoda was using to be able to watch Luke all this time, right? A long time I have watched this one, mm. and so this is like a new skill. And we have the introduction of the idea with the water you talked about that things can actually be transmitted through this force connection. That's a crazy idea. Like literally using force teleportation, um, that should, somebody should explore like weapon. There should be a story about weaponizing that and, uh, and doing something there. All right. Take a note, take a note, take take that back to HQ for us, Mac. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I love Luke now starting to train Ray it's so funny when he's like doing the read on her hand when she reaches out to the, it's the force. It's really You're really strong. It's, yeah. It's like, Oh, you feel that? It's really funny. <laughs> it's like a whole thing. It's hilarious. It's so great. Slaps Both of them. I feel Both it. of them are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then when he asks her about the force, what do you see? After she had said, it's a thing that lets you control people and move rocks. The island. Right. Life. Death and decay. That feeds new life. Warmth. Cold. Peace. Violence. And between it all. Balance. Energy. A force. And inside you. Inside me. That same force. Yeah, and like this, this like bit of filmmaking where she's saying this like explanation of the force, which I think is this scene of Luke instructing Ray and what the force is, is a incredibly meaningful scene. Like you know, in terms of just Jedi stuff in Star Wars, right? We don't get a lot of scenes of Luke teaching we don't get a lot of scenes of explaining what the force is um and so like for this to be this very explicit like here's what the force is and we're going to show it to you um is i think meaningful and almost unique in star wars 
Um, the other thing is, is the way in which this is done filmmaking wise is also unique in Star Wars. Like this montage essentially of these cuts to, you know, yes. the baby porgs, the pork death, like a bunch of eggs under the ground the beach, like stuff underground, like the warmth of flowers growing, like an insert shot of flowers growing. Like find me another one of that in all in any one of these nine movies. Like it just it it just doesn't exist. It's not it's not a part of the vernacular of Star Wars. Um, and yet it makes sense because it's so grounded in like this fundamental mystery um in the in the universe so i i love i loved all of this and it, it really does feel like it feels like ryan johnson too like if you know his work like this this the way in which he's doing this it like feels consistent with him so it's this great like thing where like yeah again this is just what we want i think as fans is we want someone who is a who's got taste and a vision for how they want to tell a story to just be given the wheel like just go and do the thing like uh, in the way that you want to do it um and don't worry so much about like the the kind of like close hewn uh, uh you know ad ad adhesion to like these particular characters or lineage or names or tying together loose ends like it doesn't it doesn't matter just like have like a, have a point of view and be willing to take some chances um, to express it. And I think I think it, this is to me is a really good example of it working. Amen. Mm, mm. Keep keep going new. I think that's the key. Yeah. Um, all right. So there is a little point here that Ray senses the dark side and scares the shit out of Luke. Yeah, yeah it's he, you went he gets you went terrible. straight you to went it. straight for the dark side. What the f is this? Yeah, who knows? He's like he's like I've seen this before. This never ends. This never ends well. I don't need a, I don't need this again in my life. This is why I ended up on this island. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good that's a good setup there. So so I want to just like very quickly get all the Canto Bite stuff out of the way. Yeah, I love the I love the idea of the concept of showing the corruption of the military industrial complex. Mm -hmm. I think that's very good. Mm -hmm. um, the part that I struggle with is that Finn and Rose are so completely and maddeningly inept, like. They can't park a shuttle. They yeah. can't change clothes. They can't like take five minutes just to put on some outfits. And I saw in the behind the scenes, they mentioned maybe there was a scene where they were going yeah. to be There's in other to be another scene. Yeah. That would have made to me a huge difference as opposed to them being so bumbling. So it was hard for me to root for them when they're just doing such a piss poor job, just sort yeah. of like from a storytelling perspective, that kind of took me out of it. Hex, Hex says in chat that they rolled poorly. Yeah, they had a, they got a critical <laughs> one on like their landing shuttle skill. They don't have they don't have very much experience. I, yeah, exactly. The, that's yeah, the they're answer. Level, like they're level one. They're level one <laughs> scoundrels. Um, the I think I think there's a couple things. Well, first of all, we get our Joe Gordon Levitt uh cameo as the guy who's like oh, i told him you can't park the shuttle here whatever you know whatever that's him yeah, yeah 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 that's just oh wow Cordero. joe <laughs> yeah uh and justin thoreau justin the thoreau's in here too for for some reason <laughs> happy for for him to be in here with a shirt on for once good uh, good to uh -huh. see that yeah uh -huh. slow and low is the joe gordon letter silly points out in chat. <laughs> slow and low shout out to you slow and um here's Here's my save for the Canto Bite situation. Here's Mac. If you're taking notes to bring back to HQ, here's another one. Look, <laughs> Disney Star Wars Star Cruiser hotel situation didn't work out for the mouse. That didn't end up being uh, a success. We can blame that partly on COVID. Um, who knows what other factors went into it? It just didn't work out. But let me tell you this. If you 
build a Las Vegas casino that is actually a Canto Bite with like Whoa. real gambling. I will bring my ducats to your joint for sure. <laughs> like I am all in. And like you could have a whole thing for the kids. You have gambling for the adults. Like I have not, I could live the rest of my life without going to a nightclub like ever again. I, in fact, I could live the rest of my life without being up past midnight ever again, to be perfectly honest. But if you build a nightclub, like a music venue in your Canto Bite Vegas casino, and you have a Max Rebo band playing in that nightclub, I I will be there until 4 a.m. until they shut the joint down. I guarantee it. So let's make it happen. Let's turn what I think was an underrealized concept in this movie of Canto Bite into a shining success and bring Canto Bite to life in the desert of Las Vegas. That's my pitch. <laughs> do you have Matt? Do you have Bob on, uh, on Slack? <laughs> yeah, is it, yeah, it Bob at, at Bob on Slack. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, so we won't we won't spend a lot of time on that. Uh, the the father chase was great, um, and we'll talk about DJ later. But going back to Ray again, the lightsaber training. Yes. The music swelling as she is doing the moves. The long distance shot of her on the island doing her thing is just absolutely incredible. Um, but now we get to the heart of Luke. Lesson two. Now that they're extinct, the Jedi are romanticized, deified. Mm-hmm. But if you strip away the myth and look at their deeds, their legacy is failure, hypocrisy, yeah. Yeah. hubris. Yeah. So he it's is so defi- good. I was like, I seriously, I was watching this today and I was like, talk your shit, Luke. Like you are, <laughs> you are absolutely right. He's like at the height of their powers. They allowed like, they allowed Darth Sidious to take over. I'm like, they sure did. They effed up the whole thing. They were terrible. You should, people need to know. And it was it was great. I love this whole speech. It's so eloquently done. <laughs> and I do think it was a great moment for them to tie, like, have Luke say Darth Sidious. Yes. And sort of tie the sequel yes. trilogy right. and the prequel trilogy yes. all together. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, that is super smart. We also get Luke's version of Kylo's attack. So the Rashomon start is mm-hmm. uh, we, we have here kind of laying that out. So Luke connects to the Force, um, you know, and we get our next connection between Ray and Kylo. And this is shirtless Kylo meme. Yeah. It's so good. It's like, can you put a cowl on or something? It's so funny. <laughs> this is such a funny movie. There's so many good jokes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he says her parents threw her away. Um, and tells the true story of the night Luke almost killed him. And this is where he says the most important line in the film. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. Yeah. So, Mac, when you hear that, like... How does that resonate? Uh, you know, it, we're in a, you know, working in stories are oftentimes regurgitated or we have, you know, like gluts of types of films that are being made today. Like, what does it feel to hear that kind of come through? No, it's great. Cause, and again, it, it's what I felt sort of, you know, after seeing it that first time, like he's pushing the boundaries of Star Wars. Like, let's, let's, uh, you know, not, not have it just be the same movie with just different character names and different planet names, but the same things that happen. Let's, let's have the past die and, and be able to push what star Wars can be. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's so great. Like it's such a challenge to 
like the fandom, it's such like a it's such like a gauntlet thrown of just like, you know, of what of what you know it means to reinvent story, uh, and like the fact that it's coming from sort of the nominal villain of the story uh, makes it great as well. Um, and it ends up becoming like for me, I think it's one of the most quotable lines, like from the movie and from the sequels generally. Hell like, yeah. It's something, yeah. it's something I, I just like continually find myself using. Uh, you quote that so to your great. kids, to, uh, let the past die. They're doing breakfast. It's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let the past die. There are no more waffles. <laughs> uh, so now Ray takes the water of life. I mean, goes into the cave. <laughs> goes into the cave. Yeah. So this whole thing with infinite yeah. rays. Yeah. The sound here the, is real good too, Mac. I don't the know if turning, you that. The snaps. Good. Yeah, the snaps are great. Yeah. That must have been cool. That must have been. That's like a gift. That's just like oh, a absolutely. fun. Like we're gonna make the sound like the character in this scene. Well, and and I was listening to it carefully today. Um, with the snaps that yes they're you know a lot of them are sound like the, the the exact same snap except when they get closer to her mm-hmm. and there's some other like more definitive or different sounding snaps that are mixed in so it's not oh, wow. so it's not just the same like you know you hear yeah you know that's cool it's, it's very cool and then and it's not just that it's like her you know turning her wrist or or doing yes. different things um yeah, very delicate, very precise, and and again, there's like nothing to hide behind. It's all very exposed sound design. Yes. So you have to have the right sounds and and really knock it out of the park. And of course, Ren and team did that. And like and like like thematically, like story wise, like it's this great echo to Empire and Luke and Luke on Dagobah. But the the building the building up of the music and swelling as she's coming to the mirror and it's being resolved and you can see who it is and then it's her mm-hmm. like that is I mean that is he's telling us where he's going but yeah it's narratively genius. narratively it was very fun like seeing this in the theater because you're it really does draw you in you're like you know that you're sort of about to see a secret. Um, and yet you're not given the full thing. Uh, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty great from like just a building of the mystery, uh, standpoint. Mm. So she goes from there and she has her reaching out to Kylo. And this is the time that they actually touch. Touch. And it's a long scene with Kylo's taking off his mm-hmm. glove. They got the hands, they're close. Mm-hmm. Then they're finally touching. And- well, and if, also if you notice in this scene, it doesn't go to silence, right? You're, you're right. hearing the ambiences right. of of, of the, the, the of the ocean, and, right. and oh, John Williams' score is playing. So, so it's almost saying, "Oh, it's it's a more natural thing." Yeah, it's not like it's actually not, together. It's not taking her out of the moment and going like, "Oh my gosh, what is this foreign thing?" Right, and we'll, that I don't want to be in this space talking to him now. She feels comfortable. Even that, even it's such a genius idea. Like Kylo establishes, can you see me? Can you see my surroundings? Like you could have gone way over the top with CG to like do the partial surroundings or the yeah. person isolated. They, they just, just don't do the that. Set. They just built the set twice. No, uh, no yeah. they just show they just show that person and then cut yeah. back and forth and with that person in their own environment. It totally That's works. Just so yeah. so smart. Yeah. But imagine you are Luke Skywalker. And you walk in on Kylo and Ray holding hands. Not a great concerning. <laughs> concerning. Very I told you, young lady. <laughs> yeah. 
Kylo. <laughs> you just got to first base with the dark side. <laughs> oh uh, man. Uh, so his he's distraught, and now we have Luke and Yoda. In yeah. the theater, when Yoda materialized, like yeah, people started screaming. Yeah, like, people, we were, lost people, our were shit. people were hype. Oh my god! <laughs> when Yoda shows up, it's great. This is and this is of all the Luke and Yoda scenes we've ever gotten or will ever have. This mm. is one of the most interestingly written scenes. I think when we were going through with Lorelai or something. Didn't mm-hmm. you, H, you put this on your like list of the most quotable lines or something like that. But anyway, mm. this is, this is, this is like, I think really interesting content. Like the, the whole message that Yoda is giving to Luke about failure and what it means to fail. Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, but weakness, folly. Failure also. Yes, failure most of all. Yeah. The greatest teacher failure is. <laughs> Luke. We are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. Yeah, and so I think we just need to sit with this for a minute because I think it's just so profound. I think it's beautifully written. I think it's a real. I think it's a really interesting like statement about teaching. I think also, if you you know, we talked about this a bit with Jedi with Return of the Jedi. I was really tortured as a kid by the notion that Yoda tells Luke that he has to confront Vader in order to complete his training Mm. Um, because he had failed in confronting Vader um, in empire and loses a hand doing it as this traumatic experience, like trying to Mm. save his friend. And like, you know, um, we're told that that's going to fundamentally break his training if he goes to like, you know, leaves Dagobah. And so that's like Luke's first big failure is like going to confront Vader and failing on, uh, on, on Bespin. And the other big failure that Luke has is the failure with Kylo Ren. Like, so his, his career as a Jedi is bookended by these two huge failures of first failing with failing to confront Vader and then failing to teach Kylo. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's only at the very end of his life. It's only in the last act of his life that he learns to really embrace those failures as being not, but as being essential to the journey that he was on as a Jedi as being like uh, as integral to his story as a Jedi, as the parts of where he is the most important legend in the history of the universe. Um, And I just think it's like such an interesting statement about this character that we get at the end that he is defined by these two the, these two bookended failures um and then how he learns to reconcile with that mm. very insightful it is i i mean the the notes that i had here was like the, these movies for better or worse like these are our sacred texts mm-hmm. like literally we take the lessons these are the modern myths uh right. that we we use i right. i don't i don't use religion with my kids you know i don't i don't teach them about the force as being a real thing but the idea of being humble you know not having too much hubris learning from mistakes like this this stuff is all really 
important um, and deeply meaningful. Mm. Love it. Love it. Um, we cut back to Poe just being a punk again. And and so I will say this is my other main challenge with this film. Poe sucks in it. <laughs> Poe and Finn suck. There's such magic when they're together yeah. in the first movie. And Finn and Ray are complete magic together. Yeah. But it's a bummer that they were all separated. Um, and Poe in particular, I understand – He's on a journey of making a mistake and learning how he has to be a leader. Yeah. Um, and he he does go through that journey and and ultimately there's some satisfaction, but he basically spends a lot of time doing stuff that doesn't amount to anything, neither he nor Finn. Yeah, I, f- I feel you're, you're hitting on what is like sort of the challenge of the sequels generally, which is that mm. the, the idea introduced in Force Awakens is that they're putting in a new triumvirate of characters it's you know it's ray finn and poe instead of han luke uh and leia and but then we get the original people back as well and i think like what and you know for a certain audience and like a big thing of star wars is that thing different things works for different audiences so that's fine but for a certain audience like the luke of it all just like so overwhelms like the interestingness of this movie and i think is the focus of this movie um, mm-hmm. that uh, it ends up being difficult to kind of recalibrate on like what's going on with Finn and Poe. And like an example of this I had was like at the end when you're in the 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 duel between Kylo and, and Luke, which is amazing. Like there's like a scene where it cuts like Finn and Poe and they're in the cave and we're like, he's buying us time to escape. I'm like, shut the F up. No one wants to hear from you right now. Real people are doing real shit outside, and we need to go look at that right now. He's not you, even on this planet. He's still quiet. getting stuff done. Uh. Um, so it's just it's just a narrative challenge. Like in in terms of in terms of trying to do a sequel that still involves like these legendary characters from the legendary. Originals. Yeah. It's a it's a wild thing, Mac. Just the idea of stories that are being told in film over generations, the notion of being able to return to these actors and these characters and see them in entirely new ways. Like I dreamed of that when I was a kid, when I was a, you know, member of the star Wars fan club reading Bantha tracks and, you know, Lucas was announcing that he was going to do nine movies. Um, you know, I was all in, uh, waiting for that. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was right there. That was the same age, a Bantha tracks subscriber from, Probably almost day one, not quite day one, but close. I think I was day, I think I was day one. And I had in 1980, I got the Luke uh, Jedi, you know, short jacket from, from Empire and wore that all over. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so uh, we have now probably a top three moment in Star Wars of all time as we start to race to the finale here. And this is Kylo, Ray, and Snoke. So yeah. this yes. set, this, this is set. Wild. This is wild the, stuff. Just the size, the red walls, yeah. the cinematography of it, Snoke up there when she's screaming, when he's torturing her. Like, yeah. it, it's just insanely good. Yeah. And then the fight itself, killing Snoke and yeah. having the fight with all these guys. It's great stuff. The, the, the fight, I think this is like a place where people also like to criticize because like the choreography of fight. What? Like, it, well, because like there's things what? in which like there's things in which the guards like, you know, tip purposely delay that like set up the choreography. If you like play it in slow motion, like it, you can. Whatever. Like, you know, 
But I'm like, what? this is like, the set is telling you what this is. This is an opera. Like, this is meant to be an operatic scene of, like, you know, a Manichaean struggle being, uh, you know, played out before us. It's not meant to be, like, you know, a, a, a martial arts accurate um, uh, uh, just, just the of- just the buildup to, you know, where it, it you're you're wondering if suddenly Kylo is going to light up his lightsaber and take out Rey. And yeah. Snoke is narrating this whole thing, and then he's turning the lightsaber with the Force. Yeah, and and I I remember just feeling the whole theater like like leaning in and like not breathing and like yes. what is yeah. happening? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, boom! And I think it you know goes into slow motion for a moment, and the score, and it's just like holy crap! I just remember the the hairs on the back of my neck standing up going. Oh my God! They're they're working together and they're taking out all these guards. Like, what is happening now? Like, you know, that felt Star Wars to me. Hell yeah! It was just incredible. And those red guards, right? Like, we've been wanting to see those guys in action since freaking Jedi. Yeah. So yeah. finally, finally seeing those well, guys. And there's is badass. a. Uh, I listened to an amazing interview with uh, Nilo Rodas Jamero. Do you know who he he is? Mm-mm. He was one of the um, original concept artists brought in on Empire. And then, hmm. so um, he he did all kinds of amazing stuff with Joe Johnston back in the day, but he actually Ooh. got promoted to be costume designer on Jedi. And when he learned that the Emperor's throne room was like all black, the Emperor's black, all this yeah. stuff, he decided like, oh, we should put in some color for these red guards. And, and his story goes something like he got this idea and... and I don't know if it was George or somebody else said, well, do we have budget for that? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. And they didn't have budget for that. But but he just <laughs> he just did it anyway. But he's like, you need this red popping against the black. So totally. So, again, yeah. this is like if you think about all the collaborations and everybody like piggybacking over the years on these Star Wars stories, you know, these Praetorian guards in this Last Jedi scene who are red in this red th- throne room you know, spawned off that one idea way back when with, with Nilo. Mm. So it's really cool. It's amazing. Yeah. It's great. It's really phenomenal. But then the payoff for this is so huge when he turns to her and says, join me and her delivery of the line. Don't do this, Ben. Mm -hmm. Please don't go this way. No, no, you're still holding on. Let go. Yeah. And he says about her parents, the dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku desert. You have no place in this story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. But not to me. Yeah, it's great. It's so great. Chills. It's chills. And like, it's so exciting. It's so exciting that like the at this moment in canon, the who is uh, who is Ray? Ray is no actually just no one from nowhere. Like just you know is so compelling. Like it's just filthy so junk traders. Yeah, in yeah. a pauper's filthy grade on Jakku. Filthy junk traders. <laughs> <laughs> you do that a little too well. Adam, Adam Driver. <laughs> Adam Driver called me a filthy junk trader challenge. Um, it's just amazing. Yeah, it just it just sounds great. It sounds great. So hot. Nexus Nine does call it out as a masterclass in negging. Yeah, exactly. Um, He's like which, you're which, nothing, but not to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, I do, there is a part of me that does appreciate there's a connection as much as he's kind of fucked up. Um, he does still have a draw to her and he really does. You know, he says, please for her to, to come to him. Yeah. Um, but now we get to the moment as they're battling over Luke's lightsaber yeah. and as Holdo rolls into position and like all three storylines come mm-hmm. to a climax so huge Finn and Phasma yeah. are going at it or yeah. are getting, they're getting ready to get executed and then the lightsaber explodes and then she drops the hammer the silence in the theater this was great in the theater this really was like an un I, I have very few cinematic experiences I can even compare it to in terms of just like the impact that it, the visceral impact that it had on the audience watching this. It was, it was wild. Like, people did you know lost this was coming, mind. Mac? I had no, no idea. This wasn't like talked about. People were like, oh my God, wait till you see this thing in this movie. No, I, no every, everybody is like, you know, lips are sealed. Oh yeah, yeah. I cannot believe that the fandom gets mad about this this thing. I cannot believe people are just like like, on like you know some kind of why wouldn't they use it all the time? Shut up! Shut! Actually, (laughs) shut your face! Stop talking! This is amazing. Like this is just sit in a theater and just experience this in your soul. It's amazing. Hell Um, yeah! It's so good. Yeah, uh, and, yes. and, and again, it's the score and the sound and everything yeah. is building and building and building and building and then and then silence. Yeah. And then there's the little bits, right? A sound. There's a little bit of like particulate or, or background noise there uh, after the after like yeah, after like a I, second and a half or something. Yeah, I can't remember how long it is, but but it feels like, you know, longer than it than it really is. It's it's just incredible. And again, a, just a very confident choice by a filmmaker. Yeah. And almost black and white, like it is a slightly blue tinge, but it's like very monochrome. Yeah, the shot, very monochrome. Yeah, it's really good. Good work, Laura Dern. This is an all-time moment. This is definitely an all-time moment in Star Wars, like yeah. uh, or any science fiction. Like this is definitely a, a key piece. Um, all right, so now we have the Battle of Crate. All I want to call out here is this shot of Leia with her the collar covering her face is mm-hmm. incredible. Um, the notion of going back and homaging. Uh, Hoth, but doing it with the red so that it's so much more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I asked Todd Vaziri, let me see. I don't think I got an answer uh, back in the end, but when Finn activates his, his mono ski or whatever, it kicks up some of the salt and red mud and it hits the camera uh, and the camera, like there's splotches mm. like in children of men, the blood um, scene and so, Jason, to what you were saying earlier, this notion of like we hadn't seen these kinds of shots right. done before in Star Wars, this also felt like something yes. new to me. Agreed. Yeah, I feel. I feel. Uh, yeah, like seeing like stuff on the lens, or seeing like the idea of like the universe being dirty or lived in in that way is is definitely uh, is definitely new. And those shots when um, when Finn is starting up that. Uh, that ski speeder, whatever it is, yeah, it, it sounds like it's malfunctioning, and it sounds yeah. a yeah. lot sounds a lot like the Millennium Falcon, yeah, uh, hyperdrive failing, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, kind of it's it's definitely like a, yeah, yeah. an homage to that sound, which is yeah. uh, which is like an old propeller plane, right? Like yeah, it was and, like and a, a initial uh, inertia starter on a biplane, right? Where yeah, you would yeah, like yeah. hang hand crank it like. So it goes, goes and goes and goes. And then right when you let go before the, the, 
the Before propeller kicks in. It's like this wah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. thing. It's really cool. One of the all-time greatest sounds in history. Totally. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's it's funny. Like uh, you will hear that sound or something very much like that sound in lots of different things, not just Star Wars. For just like oh, machinery is failing because it's right. become uh, yeah, sort of yeah. like an unconscious. Like you have a sound like that, and the audience goes, "Oh, the the mechanics are failing." You know? It's right. the Wilhelm scream of, of mechanical <laughs> yeah, a little bit, objects. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we do have a, in my mind, a huge payoff, uh, for Rose and Finn and this notion where she saves him and she says, I saved you dummy. That's how we're going to win. Not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. So the kiss doesn't work to me for me, but the concept of that we have to hold together and that we have to, you know, reach for the light as opposed to trying to engage the dark, um, that that's like it's fully justified or say what we love but not your part in the next movie Rose. <laughs> uh luke and leia uh you know it's so good it's so good i came to face him leia and i can't save him yeah i held out hope for so long but I know my son's gone. I know my son is gone. Yeah. No one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone hits hard because of the Carrie Fisher of it. Like it, it really. It oh really, my god! It hits hard. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's just a great scene because like you, you know that Leia knows like that he's not really there. Um, like you, you like you, you know, like if you watch it again, you know that she must know that that's not really him, um, and that she must know on some level that this is he's like this is it, like this is the end, and then you know also then that this is because Carrie Fisher's gone, that this is the last scene of the two, so it's just this like incredibly poignant moment, um of the two of them uh, together and it's just great and it's tender and it's funny and it's just, it's just great. I love it so much. Mm. I will say the one thing about this that like, uh, just as a fan, I, I never really tracked the Hans dice thing as a meaningful artifact in the star Wars universe. Like I was like, I, I watch these movies a lot. Like that one's just never really stood out to me as being like, I'm really supposed to Glock, like, the, you know, get clock these dice. Mac, wasn't that the deal? This was also in Solo, like a plot point. Yeah, those were in Solo, but um, I think they're in the Solo. Solo come out after Last Jedi. After, yeah, yes, it did, which was confusing. Um, I think it was twenty eighteen. Yeah, okay. so like it was a big thing in the moment. I remember, um, but it 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 was just kind of slightly. It felt slightly confusing that it was so dramatic. Yeah, um, such and, a specific prop. Um, yes, and I'm like. Don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of other things in the Millennium Falcon I'm aware of. I'm not, not aware of the dice, but great scene between cool. Luke here's, and Leia. Here's, here's a chess piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you had that guy, if you handed over, like I would be, I would ball my eyes out. Ball my eyes out of that guy. Uh, oh, we've got the Kylo Ren Moore classic meme. There's a yeah. lot of memes from this movie. Um, yeah. We have Leia passing the torch to Poe. What are you looking at me for? I love the joke where he says, um, "I'm like, put me down," and like Hux, Hux tries to say, "Like, don't you think it's like, come on, like, what are we doing here?" And he throws, yeah. he force throws him against the wall, and the, yeah. the yeah. captain's like, "Going down right now." Like, he's just like, <laughs> we're, uh, "No problem." 
We'll, be, we'll have you down in just a minute, sir. No problem. <laughs> but Kylo says the resistance is dead, the war's over, and when I've killed you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. The rebellion is reborn today. The war is just beginning. And I will not be the last Jedi. The the callbacks, this is this is some well-written stuff. Like this movie, like the, the callbacks of everything you just said is wrong. And like the like the fact that so much of what he's saying to Kylo is stuff that he said to Ray. Like they really, I mean, for a movie that is it's two and a half hours long, a lot of it is not about Luke, as we talked about. It's not about Luke and Ray. But to really be able to seed so much in those scenes to have it pay off here at the end is remarkable. Uh, and they do a great job. And like, the thing I wanna say also is, we, we skipped over it, but when Luke walks out of the hole in the wall and the other soldiers pop up to look at him. Uh, and the music is Poe, swelling, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like, I think again, like just to, if Luke is your hero, like if Luke is your childhood hero, like to see him in this moment, like, and, 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 and then to see on screen other people looking at him, like the, like seeing a legend, just seeing. He's the one who mythical, blew up the Death yeah, Star. Exactly. Like twice. Like he's just yeah. like this unbelievable, like unbelievable legend. Um, like it's just it's just remarkable and it's like it's why like it's why in the mandalorian where when luke comes back it's just like this this like the one of the most transcendent scenes in star wars for if you're a fan of this generation of star wars um and so like they really pay it off well here is my view of the the luke endpoint i, I mean the death of luke skywalker is what my notes say and it just to me I felt like this was a completely heroic moment and yeah. I felt like this this was Luke completely transcending doing something that no one had ever done before um and just like extending and connecting with the force in such a way like Mac is there any better way for Luke to go out? I don't think so. Um and I know a lot of people were disappointed with that that they wanted, you know, Luke Skywalker to last forever but you know, yeah. right. he's old. Yeah, he's <laughs> old. It can't let, happen. Let him rest. Yeah, let him let, let him, him rest. Join the force, and they do. They set up this idea that, like, you know, where when Kylo says to Ray, "It's like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do this. It would the effort would kill you." And oh, it's right. Like, oh, right. like Luke, like Luke is like the one person who could, like, you know, manifest this amazing display of the force, and it's great. It's great. Like it's beautiful. Like his death on Octo is like is beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's like you know, it's one of the most beautiful deaths. The twin sons. It, yeah, it's it was one of the most beautiful deaths in Star Wars. Like you know, like as uh, more so than Obi Wan's death, more so more so than than Yoda's death. Like it it is this like you know, it's this it's this flame like you know rejoining the the spirit of the Force. It's just great. Like it it works for me completely. Mm. I don't. What do you want to see? You want to see him like just like you know get lose cut a down with a lightsaber? Like, what, what? Yeah. You don't want that. You don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> He's never going to lose. He's not going to lose Mac, a fight. Yeah, yeah, Mac, I was like frustrated in, in Ahsoka when like uh, Anakin and Ahsoka didn't just sit down and talk for an hour. Like that's all I wanted. I was like, put your lightsabers <laughs> yeah. down and just talk. Yeah. Uh, just just like a, my dinner with Andre, you know, episode. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now we have a last look from Kylo to Ray, and she shuts the door on him. And this is the moment where she's like, look, B, I just been floating some big rocks I saved all these people and we beat your ass and I'm not down with you negging me anymore. So I love the shift uh, for her to have that power in this scene. And that part was continued so perfectly into Rise of Skywalker. The beginning of that where she stands down his uh, his fighters just is really great. Mm -hmm. But now we have – Leia says they have everything they need even though the entire rebellion has been reduced to the contents of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I was going to say like – <laughs> Like, that was one of my notes, too, which is just, like, even before they end up in this busted state on, on crate, like, they're, they're, like, there's, like, 400 of us left. That's all it's left of the resistance. My note was, like, what I, my note from anytime we watch a zombie movie, which is, like, surrender is always an option. Like, you can always just turn yourself in <laughs> to, like, the evil, even if it means you're going to die. Like, it might be quicker. Like, this, like, this is not working out well. Like, you've got, like, 300 people left, and, like, some of these people seem busted. Like, I don't, like, you're, you're not, like, 300 people and like a bunch of them are like great fighters or a Jedi or something like that. You got like nothing. Like it might be time to hang it up. Like, I don't know what you think you're going to, I don't know what you think you're going to be able to pull together here, but yeah, they get away. They got like five people left there. The spark, the spark is going to fan the flames. Well, the kid grabs the broom with the force. So yeah, like, I mean the know. kid, the broom kid is one of the more frustrating aspects of this situation because it's never it's just never paid out like we we get like it is this it doesn't need to be it's just it's just a notion that anyone can be part of the force and that I know. was what luke that's what luke said earlier like that i know the hubris but, of saying it's us i know but like yes it, that idea is great we should have we should have stuck with that idea <laughs> that anyone could be in the force it didn't take like a special bloodline one of two special Mac. bloodlines Mac, are you allowed to announce tonight the upcoming Broom Boy Prestige Series? <laughs> Broom, yes, debuting on Disney Plus in twenty twenty five. Broom Boy, Broom Boy, Broom Boy Two, Electric Boogaloo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, uh, Mac, who would Tilda Swinton play? Mm, I think she'd be an amazing Snoke. Mm. Ooh, yes. Really in that gold outfit and stuff yeah I oh just, my god and you know have her do the big the big snoke voice the menacing snoke voice i think it'd be scary mm. incredible mm. incredible jason how about you i i have the same note as nexus nine in chat i was i was gonna get rid of laura during and have her have her what? hold a hold a maneuver yeah I think she would be great. I think she'd be great as Holden. I think Laura Dern's good in the movie, but I think I think Tilda would be amazing. And like you would have a lot of confidence. You'd just be like, oh yes. Like the word I'd have a lot more confidence in these like six people that they had left uh in the resistance if one of them was Tilda Swinton. It was Admiral, uh, Vice Admiral Tilda. Come on. <laughs> let's, let's excuse go. me. Excuse me. When the music swells and Holdo turns and says, Godspeed, rebels. Come on, that was un. It doesn't. It's not my favorite line reading in this movie, but I think <laughs> uh, I think with Tilda, it would be amazing. Let's go. It's okay. It's okay. Hex already has the correct answer. Uh, DJ. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. Replace yeah. DJ. 
That's a smart choice. We'll drop the stutter drop and it will be fine. Yeah. All right, guys, what do you say? Should we do some letters? Letters. Okay, here we go. Here is our first letter. The Truth Sayer. Hi, y'all. Beer, you here. Okay, who's been in the most Star Wars? It's not Andy Serkis. Only two there. He played Snoke in this movie, of course. And Kino, one way out, Loy, in Andor. It's probably Tamura Morrison, who's played Jango Fett, Boba Fett, and about a million clones. But my favorite multi-role Star Wars dude is probably Warwick Davis. Mm. He's appeared in seven of the 12 Star Wars feature films to date, starting with Wicket the Ewok, of course. Work even appeared in The Last Jedi in the big scene at Canto Bite, but which one was his character? Here's three characters from the scene at Canto Bite. Only one of them was played by Warwick Davis. Oh, Truth-saying time. Was it number one? <laughs> Warwick played Wadabin, a male Sowertan, little reptile-like dudes, who was gambling the night away at Canto Bite with his brothers Thodabin and Dodabin. Or is it number two? Warwick played a tiny croupier named Tham, who was on one of the gambling tables at Canto Bite. I do like the Lucasfilm Story Group's Pablo Hidalgo said about this character, Tham is, quote, very flatulent, but his natural gas is rather pleasant and soothing, end quote. Right. Or is it number three? Warwick played Kedpin Shoklop, a wormel male who spent 102 years in his trade as a vaporator sales being before winning vaporator sales being of the year. It was his first vacation to Cantobite in over a century. Which one of those characters was actually played by Warwick Davis in The Last Jedi? Whoa. Well, I thought it was in the uh, character who was plugging all the coins into BB-8. That's what I thought, too. I which, thought it was the BB-8. Which might be, that, might be the first one that he talked about I think about it's there. the first one. That's yeah. incorrect. So, so that's incorrect because that guy was Luke's was uh, Mark Hamill, oh. um, played played that guy. But I oh. I I saw him. He was a guy with like a a big eye here and a mouth there, and he was like in a sauna or something. So I'm guessing it's number three. Let's see who's right. All right, I'm still going with number one. Okay, where's Warwick? Which role did Warwick Davis play in the Last Jedi? It was. Number one, Wodabin. <laughs> the character's nickname, along with his brothers, was simply Wody with Dodie and Thody. Collectively, the three of them are known as the Lucky Three due to their uncanny ability to win big at gambling and make back anything they might lose, just like Warwick Davis. Mm. Here ends the truth saying. Thank you, Beria. That was amazing. God, you got the you got the truth sayer question wrong, and you've been sitting in the wrong movie seat your whole life. I don't know how you're going to recover from this episode. <laughs> Seventh row center is definitely in the third. You it's good. It's like it's right at the back of the third. All right, here we go. Hello, bog pod. Hey, bog pod. Hello, bog pod. Hey, bog pod. Hello, bog pod. Hey, bog pod. Bog pod. Hey, bog hatch. You guys can't see me right now, but I'm literally jumping around my room, clicking my heels with glee because I love this movie so much. I love it mostly because of Luke and Luke's arc. This film is the reason Luke is my favorite character. I adore how much they were willing to showcase failure, how strongly they were willing to showcase failure, especially with such a strong icon of the last century. Failure is important. And this film, if you show it to your kids, will teach them that failure can happen to anyone at any time in their life. And if you just listen to the people around you, you can redeem yourself, which I think is just mm. beautiful and very important. 
However, on a far darker note, has anyone noticed the correlation between the hatred for this film and the rise of anti-intellectualism and populism in the US? Mm. (laughs) Has anyone noticed how many parallels those two events share? How the hatred for The Last Jedi serves as a microcosm for the incredible, intense political discourse and misinformation used in modern US political discussions? Mm. Is that... Am I insane? Am I crazy? Please someone validate this. Hashtag, uh, whatever. <laughs> no hashtag for today. See you guys. Kisses. That's great. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take this one. Uh, first of all, as, as some people may or may not know, uh, Ethan is from Australia. Um, and so I think it's remarkable be, that, um, and he, Ethan is also quite young. I believe he is like, 14 in wombat years or something like that. Um, and so I find it interesting that, you know, for a younger generation, the Luke arc would pay off as well as it did. And I'm grateful to hear it. Um, mm. and I salute our young Antipodian for wisdom beyond his years. And there is some truth to what he says. I think like, you know, the, the, the backlash against last Jedi also reminds me of sort of like Gamergate in some degree where it's just like this sort of like someone lashes onto this cultural artifact as like a way of advancing a bunch of like bad faith attacks. Snyder cut. Yeah. Like, like this whatever. like really toxic fandom stuff that happened um, in this era that coincides with a lot of like extremely online weird stuff. I think that is all valid. I, I have a harder time specifically linking it to the political anti-intellectualism mm. because it turns out anti-intellectualism is just an american like kind of like uh backbone principle we've got that one going back for 200 years we really like that and are suspicious of the smarts um and it just routinely kind of becomes one of our um one of our cultural norms mm. um but i do think there i do think like sort of the backlash against the last jedi ends up being rooted in this very particular kind of online moment um where fandom started to become more toxic and like lots of communities ended up kind of um descending into some forms of madness um because of um uh various attacks like the like the ones we saw for this movie so yeah mac we stand with you the creators do your thing have a good time. Go for it. We're going to watch it. We're going to celebrate it. We'll pick apart the parts that we have challenges with, but we're not going to blame, you know, it for not being exactly what we wanted. Like that, there's nothing good in that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the the older I get, the more I appreciate filmmakers who just go for it Yeah, and try something that's like not safe. You know, even if it doesn't completely work, it's like, you know, Hey, like kudos for, for trying something. And, you know, you know, maybe you didn't quite hit it out of the park, but like, good for you to, to go out there and, and do something, a challenge, you know, that, that challenges yourself and everybody else. Mm. Preach. Thank you, Ethan, so much. Here's our next voicemail. Hello, Escape Hatch. It's Kev here. No big deal. We're just talking about Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi, one of the most divisive (laughs) movies of the last, uh, well, the century so far, I guess. I I do want to say that no matter what people think about any Star Wars project, they always look and sound so amazing. And I want to give a shout out to Max Smith and the folks at Skywalker Ranch who are doing an incredible job on all this stuff. Mm. Thank you. Kev's question. Ryan Johnson set out to subvert everyone's expectations with The Last Jedi. And as the, the last few years of chaotic, awful nerd culture discourse have proven, yeah. 
he succeeded. So with yes. that in mind, Kev's question this week is what was some of your most major movie surprises, whether they are plot twists or your expectations were blown away or there was like a surprise in the film that you didn't know about. Any of that applies. I'll give one. No spoilers. Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron. I had the mm. great opportunity to see wow. that last week. And the whole key to enjoying that movie is to be surprised. <laughs> so let me know yours. Shout out to the editing team. Megan, thank you. You did a tremendous job. Shout out to the Chuckle Hut and Silly Oswald, its projectionist. And I will talk to you all very soon. Peace and love. Yes. Once again, it's Kev's Questions. <laughs> Kev's Question. Beautiful. Uh, have I been... I, I, do I see enough movies to be surprised? Have I seen a movie that I haven't seen? I haven't seen a hundred times before. I'm just going to, I mean, I'm going to take the definitive example. I'm going to take Empire Strikes Back, obviously, that left me and all of all. Sure. I, but the question was like this year, right? Wasn't it like in recent? Oh, no, no. Just biggest surprise. Ever? Just biggest, oh, okay. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's That's what I heard. Okay. Mac, anything you can think of that surprised you more than that? Uh, well, recently, uh, I saw this amazing animated movie called Nomona. Mm, yeah. Um, on Netflix. Which I got, I got to see here on, on the big screen, but yeah, it's oh, on cool. Netflix, but it's, yeah, it's one of those animated movies, you know, which are often very formulaic and there's something that happens in the, in the plot, I think probably in the first six minutes that just kind of makes you go, whoa, like mm. what just happened? <laughs> like, uh, this is not at all where I thought I was going, and it's just wow. a, it's a really smart film, uh, really well done, That's and a good uh, and it's a movie that that died, yeah, yeah, because it was a movie that uh, that was a Blue Sky movie, and uh, Blue Sky, the animation company that that was in Connecticut um, when Disney bought Fox, oh, right? They they oh. shut down Blue Sky, and right, so that right. movie was like not done. And another, um, you know, someone with deep pockets said, hey, let's let's figure out how to finish this movie. So they went to a different animation studio in, in England and and did the whole movie. Oh, wow. And it's it's incredible. It's 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 honestly, I think, one of my favorite movies of the year. Wow. wow. Yeah. Plug. Yeah, That's it's based on a it's based on a graphic novel that uh, people love. And it's especially for like eight to 12 year olds. Um, so mm. check out the book and check out the movie. Yeah, really good. Killer. Jason, do you have one? Top that? Yeah, if it's if it's anything ever, then uh I would definitely say Fight Club, which I hadn't read before mm. I saw it in the theater. And I remember I was with a friend of mine, I was with my friend Matt, who I've talked about before on this podcast, and also my friend Dave. Um, and uh David read the book. Um, and uh when it gets to the reveal, like we were both just like what the f and like turned to him and he was, i just remember this like so <laughs> clearly like he turned back to us it was like yup <laughs> i was like wow <laughs> this is like really really didn't see that one coming um so yeah that definitely stands out as like a uh, experience in the cinema that like totally blew my mind I, I can't think of anything more profound than that they were the rules about fight club that really threw you off the- yeah, That's yeah. right. That's like, <laughs> what do you, mean you can't tell anyone. That's crazy. <laughs> what? Actually, the other example is uh, the Red Wedding, which I read oh, and yeah. was so blown away. Yeah. And like that, that was like one of the best things when that the night that happened, and they had all the reaction videos of the people who'd read it filming their partners who had never oh, yeah. had never read it, and we're just like losing. That was good. Losing. I had I had another note that from 
when we did Last Jedi uh, that um, in the fight scene in the throne room mm. that Ray does like the Arya Night King move where she like drops the uh, drops the lightsaber and picks it up in the other hand and hits the guy with Very it, cool. which is really good. Paul does that too. I think Paul does that it's in the a final great fight. Move. It's a great move. All right, here's our final voicemail. Hey, K-Pack. This is Corey Kahn from Austin, Texas, about Star Wars The Last Jedi from 2017, a Walt Disney production. Um, so I was a huge fan of Star Wars growing up, right? Born in 1972, so I was perfect age for the first trilogy. Really loved them. Uh, even the Ewoks, I liked all that stuff. Um, and then the other ones happened, the prequels, and I wanted to like them, but only watched like one and a half of those and you know you kind of everybody knows that story and then these came out these uh later star wars movies and they're pretty good i guess uh i didn't watch the last one i watched <laughs> these two and then i watched the what was the one we did on the pod like a rogue rogue one watch that so i don't know as you can tell i'm not super invested in star wars it just That's didn't carry surprising. over surprising. as uh, i got older which is fun i don't hate it i'm not a star wars hater uh, I'm just not into it. I'm not into all the IP. I'm not into all the rides or the theme parks. Or the God, we get it, Corey. <laughs> you ate so our crappy. dreams. Uh, <laughs> but I went and saw this one and uh, in the theater. I don't remember it too much. I had to go to Wikipedia to see what happened in it. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of like this. But, like, I guess that's it. So sorry to say I don't have a lot to really say about this one. Uh, but I, um, you know, I'm sure you guys have a lot of good things to say about it. I am very excited to hear about your esteemed guest uh, thoughts and all this, too. That sound design stuff is really good. So um, that's that. Who would Tilda Swinton play? Snoke, of course. Oh, yeah. There you go. There oh, you, go. you know what I do have to say about this? One good thing that came out of all these new Star Wars is Adam Driver. I love Adam Driver. Yeah. And I really love Kylo Ren. And I especially love his <laughs> undercover boss segments on Saturday Night Live as <laughs> Kylo Ren. Those were really great. What do you guys think of Kylo Ren? Do you guys believe when he says that he's going to finish what Darth Vader started? What exactly has he started? You know, I will say this for Kylo. I think he gets a bad rap. What? Yeah. He's trying to accomplish something that's never been done in the history of the galaxy. You know? Ridiculous. Rule everything? That's impressive. I, I admire the guy. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. They're good. Okay, okay. Okay. Thank you guys. Looking forward to the episode. Talk to y'all next week. That is one of the all time SNL sketches. It is really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think about Kylo Ren? Yeah. <laughs> They're filthy junk traders. Um <laughs> Yeah. It it's it's great to hear from Corey as always. We love you, Corey. Um, I appreciate you sharing your journey with us. Mm, all right. Well, that is it. We did it. Uh, Mac, what do you have to plug? Anything you can talk about? And if there's nothing you can talk about work-wise, you can talk about anything you're excited about. Uh, hmm. Don't have too much to talk about work-wise. Um, I, I have stuff that's going to be announced soon that's going oh, to out, come out at the end of the year, which, uh, which I'm finishing up in these next couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And yeah, just, just, uh, I, I just had a trip to Ireland, which was incredible. I got to go, cool. uh, to the Kilkenny animated festival, uh, and we did a star Wars visions panel. 
Oh, cool. So, Amazing. Yeah, so I just got back uh, last week. It was it was a lot of fun. That's great. All right. Plug Ireland. Ireland is good. <laughs> we didn't talk about you can out. go visit those uh the beehive huts uh in on the Dingle Peninsula. You don't have to go mm. out to Michael Skellig. You can go see uh, those without cool. having to take a helicopter or a boat ride. So check those nice. out. Nice. Wait, that was a different location? I thought it was all filmed at the they same have the place. huts they have the huts on the island too, but there's lots of huts. Mm. there's same huts elsewhere More huts. on the mainland. Yeah. Very good. Jason, what do you have to plug? Uh, what do I have to plug? Uh, I am still rocking this Baldur's Gate 3. I got to say, this is a really good game. I'm closing in on a landing on this one. I'm like at okay. 110 hours or something like that. Holy uh, 110 hours exactly. Yeah, just check. And I, I've only gotten 43% of the achievements. I'm definitely not a completionist by any chance. And I probably got like another probably good 10 to 15 before I finally finish this thing. Um, but my God, what an achievement in storytelling and gameplay. It is just pretty, pretty strong business. So don't forget wow. to eat. check it out. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could quit anytime, right? You could quit anytime. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Escape Patch. I want to thank Jason and Mac for an unreal conversation. Next week, we're joined by the showrunner of Veep and White House Plumbers, Dave Mandel. We cover one of his faves, William Friedkin's To Live and Die in L.A. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute to leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us online whenever you want. And a Patreon where you can support us and unlock exclusive perks. Links are in the show notes. Escape Hatch is a Take Deck podcast, John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Scott Fritz and Who's the Boss Music. The episode was edited and produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week. A buddy of mine saw Kylo Ren take his shirt off in the shower, and, and he said that Kylo Ren had an eight-pack. But Kylo Ren was shredded. What? Your friend's a liar, man. Kylo Ren is a punk bitch. That guy looks like he weighs 30 pounds soaking wet underneath that little black dress. <laughs> Tim? Tim! Oh, no, he's choking on food. I see what's in your mind. It is... Stupid! Dude, Matt straight up sucks.